Welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast. And today we are reviewing the Six Nations um, tournament as a whole. We are going through Super Saturday and we are congratulating Ireland, the new Grand Slam, Triple Crown and Six Nations tournament winners and the world, the world's best team as well. They are new rugby overlords. Today I'm, I'm joined by Sean and we are going to just look through the three games that happened this weekend and also try to do a team-by-team review and try to agree or disagree on a team of the tournament. Unfortunately, we can't consider Jared and Kutz's um, <laughs> votes and, and, and favorite players. So Sean and I have really concocted a plan of trying to just piss them off as much as possible. And, Sean, and we're fifty, and we're 50% and, of the team, so, so we, we have the, the deciding vote. I think that that that's completely accurate. I know we don't have much of a constitution at rugby bits, but I think that would be in line with our constitution. I think our con- we can just do a little short one. Our constitution: if there are two of you, it's fifty percent, and and the and the swing vote always goes to the person hosting the show. So you you are the swing vote. <laughs> <laughs> this, I love I love the power that I have now. It's 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 very awesome to wield so much power. Nice. Listen, thank you. Uh, great intro. Um, uh, it's it's good to be back. I'm thoroughly looking forward to this chat. Um, I think it's going to be a nice, relaxed one, but there'll be uh, some some good debate. Um, and what an unbelievable weekend. And yes, uh, congrats, Ireland. Grand Slam, number one in the world. Just really, they didn't look, well, ironically, the only time they looked under pressure was on, on Saturday, which I'm looking forward mm. to chatting about. I'm loving that. Um, but uh, yeah, Johnny Sexton, the um, the highest scoring Six Nations player of all time. He surpassed Ronan Agara, and it's his final Six Nations game. And also something that flew a little bit under the radar, but there's a very, very good chance. Well, I'm almost certain that we won't see Kian Healy in the Six Nations again. And um, I think he deserves a, a fist pump and, uh, and a lot of uh, his name in the lights, especially after the performance last week really helped mm-hmm. Ireland uh, secure the Grand Slam too. Yeah. I think maybe just to get going, maybe starting with, with the Ireland-England game, obviously Ireland winning um, 31 points to uh, to 15. No, I've, that's completely wrong score. But <laughs> Ireland winning no. the last game of the Six Nations. And but why don't we, st- can we not start with, with the... 29 the, points to 16. Yeah, 29. Can we not start Scotland and go France and then go Ireland? surely we're going to be telling a lot about England and Ireland. Okay. Okay, let's start with the first game of the day then. Let's start with Scotland winning against Italy. Um, Sean, I haven't really had a chance to watch this game, so I won't have maybe too much expert analysis here. But from what I can understand, it seemed like Scotland was chilling at some point. Italy came back and they were looking to to threaten maybe a possible win and, and burgle one. But at the end of the day, Scotland was the better team and they deserved to win the game. Oof. I, I, that deserved that deserved part is is a challenging one, um, but <laughs> it's uh, just remember. Um, so Blair Kinghorn had a brilliant game. Um, he scored a hat trick, but he just had a had a really 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 good game. The thing is, is that Scotland did score um, a seven pointer uh, on the Hooter while Italy were chasing yeah. um, the win. So Italy were if I. If if I could try and put this into words on what had happened, Italy were probably seven meters out and had, I can't remember if they had an overlap or not. They may have had a one-man overlap, but 
they were seven meters out and there was maybe four on four or four versus five players in the back line and they had like a big open uh, open space it wasn't a, a short it wasn't a short side it was an open side so yeah mm-hmm. it was um it was close man it was close italy italy was super close to winning that and uh that would have really thrown a span in the works would have made for something a hell of a lot more to talk about especially considering scotland's form but uh but yeah what uh, it was a cracking game and and a thoroughly i i loved it because it was the start of the soup saturday and it was a thrilling game mm-hmm. and uh you know italy and scotland the two sides that have really like really surprised everyone over the last what year maybe and they were slogging it out and it was great it was a great way to start super saturday to be fair yeah and i think the it, it also was a good sort of well for scotland i think first of all it does fully now establish them as that best of the rest category for the six nations they were third place um at 15 points five ahead of england and the rest got three wins out of five so they have established themselves having a really good six nations tournament and not sort of because it would be typical of Scotland, especially in the last few years, where you know they beat it, England and Wales, they go quite close against Ireland and France, but then they lose to Italy. It would be just so random and so Scotland, yeah. but yeah. they were managed to do it. They also did it without um, Finn Russell and 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 Stuart Hogg, and I think Blake Kinghorn. Obviously, you know we've talked about this quite a few times about you know is he a, is he a fly half or is he fullback? Answer: He's a fullback. But it no, seemed like he had a, a decent game at fly I, half. I, I'm, ha- <laughs> really? I'm happy to have. I saw him play at ten a couple of weeks ago in the URC. What was the URC? And I was like, no, he's a ten. Mm-hmm. He should play ten. He 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 gets some great some. Oh, I lie, I lie. I'm doubting myself now. I can't remember now because he's been chopping and changing. I really thought that he's a great shot at ten. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with that. I can't remember the game now, but I, yeah, I think he's probably a better ten than fifteen. I I don't know about that, but I was about to mention and maybe ask you about this, Sean. That when it seemed like late in the game, Ben Healy came on. Obviously, Ben Healy currently plays for Munster. He's going to Edinburgh late next he's season. On debut, um, young debut. Yeah, and debut as the yeah. Australians would say, <laughs> and it seemed like he did sort of play well and calm things down, especially in that, in that last stanza when Italy were trying to come back into the game. So it it's quite an interesting position that Scotland find themselves in. I mean, Finn Russell, now that, you know, he's made up, kissed and made up with um, Gregor Townsend, for now, back to for being now. in the good books, <laughs> at least for now, he's the first choice, at, at least until he, like, breaks team protocols. <laughs> but, you know, and, and Blair Kinghorn will obviously definitely be in the World Cup squad for the fact that he covers all these positions. So he can be like a, almost like a third choice floater type of player, like Alade Damien Willemson, the South African context. Mm. But it's going to be interesting between Healy and Hastings because, you know, he's Hastings you have fallen with Hastings. Are, yeah, but I mean, he's been injured, yeah, but he was playing yeah. really well for Gloucester just before his injury. So it's going to be a bit of, you know, the form versus, you know, someone that's a bit younger that can come in. At least now Healy is secured with Scotland, he won't be able to be capped by another country, at least for the next while. So yeah, it's a quite interesting position. And and I, I don't think it's actually I don't think it's too different from, you know, the South African um live conundrum. You know, you've got Pollard as the first choice and then you're sort of choosing between 
you know, a more experienced one in Yankees and someone young that's on good form in Lebok. And then you've got Damien Willems as that sort of third choice that can pop in between three, the, the pop into between like different positions. So I wonder how they're going to sort that out later. So Sean, basically the question I want to ask you is, do you think Healy, you know, in his little cameo that he played on Saturday has done enough to maybe put himself as a, one of the three choices for, um, for the World Cup? I'm, I'm going to say no, and not because of his performance, but because mostly because I don't think if um, Hastings is in form that he will miss out. So that's, mm. that is the kind of, that is the, the little controversial, the controversial sort of side of things. Um, if you're, you're going to take 210, so Finn's going. Um, if he doesn't prank his Lambo. Um, out on on, <laughs> on the drinks, <laughs> um, but uh, on form it's probably Finn and then um, Hastings. Uh, Kinghorn is going to be a fifteen-stroke backup ten, like third choice ten, or maybe a backup ten in a five-two split or something like that, because mm. Hastings and Finn really only going to play ten, where Kinghorn can play ten and. 15 and wing um, and Healy can probably play 10 and 12. So, but our, if uh, injuries aside, I don't see him going just purely because it would be really, really tough if everyone's kind of playing to, to boost Healy's kind of parachute Healy into that. If Hastings is in the mm. mix. Yeah. I think maybe just to, Maybe we just to maybe propose a bit of change of course. Let's maybe quickly do our reviews of Scott and Italy while we're talking about them. Um, so let's start with Italy. So Italy unfortunately didn't win a game in the Six Nations. Um, while there was, I think, a lot of development in their attack and they looked quite good at some stages and in a lot of their games, especially against um, France and Ireland. Ultimately, you know, you can't really win with defense that concedes 22 tries in five games. Um, they struggle to get bonus points in the, in the competition. And yeah, they only got one point from five games, which is a big disappointment. But Sean, I think just in general, it's a different type of five losses in five games for Italy this year than it has been in previous years, right? Yes, they are a, um, a sort of an, an upward curving work in progress for me. Yeah, like I think it's quite clear that something is happening and something is being developed and something is growing. It's just now a matter of hopefully putting those things together. And I, I think, Sean, let's, we, I, I said before, let's maybe do it on three categories, how we review the team. So we're going to give them a grade out of 10. We'll okay. decide a best player and then we'll okay. talk about what we need to work on. So what's your grade out of 10 for Italy? Uh, okay, my grade out of 10 for Italy, um would be i would say would be a six because okay. they are definitely on the up and as awesome as it is they're the underdog and it's great to watch them play um and they're really putting a lot together but i believe that there's a lot of work that that they want to still be doing behind the scenes and have ready for the world cup so so six for me a good yeah. six maybe i'm maybe i'm being a, a bit strict but I'll probably go to maybe a four, four and a half, sure. just on the basis that yeah, I think yeah. they probably they probably dropped their chances against England, Wales, and Scotland to 
snatch at least one win from that because yeah. I think almost they should have at the very least get a win, got a win from those games just to be like, okay, we're still on a track of growth. We're still trying to put these things together because especially based on their performances against the top two and yes, both probably both the top two teams didn't really play at their best against them. But you, England was there for the taking in, the, in that game. They have a bad history of how they, they play against England. They didn't really compete with them and only made a, a bit of a comeback like they did with Scotland now. And then that Wales game at home, again, you can't give Wales like almost like a 15, 20-point head start when, you know, I don't think the difference between Wales and Italy was that great. So, and you can see in the points for and against, it's almost similar, or almost exactly the same. So yeah, just a four and a half. And just saying that like, although they, and this is probably the next question about what they need to work on, although their attack was brilliant, geez, the game management needs to improve a lot. They need to kick out of their halves better. They can't be taking so many risks playing in their half. I think out of the 22 tries they conceded, I, I wouldn't be surprised if at least 15 of those were because they're playing in their own half. Yeah. Bang on. They, they need to, it's the game management or or not getting caught up in that that hype. Like sometimes, sometimes mm. you need to not just be going headless chicken all the time. Um, but the headless chicken approach is what has got us all to love Italy again um, because, but they're going coast to coast. But yeah, you, you, you need it. You, I always look at it like when Japan first started playing, they were, when, well not first started playing, but when Japan started building slowly, you could see they, would, they never played heads up rugby. They literally, they were like, cool, if we're in this position in the field, we do this. No matter what. They could have like a 300-man overlap. If they were in their 22, they would kick it out. And, it, mm. and, and, that, that, and now Italy are the opposite. Italy are like, we're we, we, we going to only play heads up rugby. And then sometimes we're going to get caught up in the heads up rugby. So they just need that calm head to settle them. Ironically, um, Tommaso Allen at 15 has been pretty decent because I called for him to probably start a bit more at 10, but it's never going to happen with, with Garbisi. I just think that he might be that, that, that kind of calming space. Like, let's just settle this down a little bit. I don't want to go, just go mental. So they just need the balance. I think that's it. You, you say they need the game management. I agree with you, but I'm going to go with, the, with that, whole, that old trusty Sean comment of saying just, they just need a bit of balance. Mm. And then player of the tournament for Italy, I think there's a few only nominees. There's only one for me. Oh, is there only one? Oh, go for, for me, it. there's only one. No, no, no. You, you can chat yours, but there's only one for me. Go, Do you want me to say? Go for it, and then I'll talk about the other ones. Yes. Lorenzo Canoni at eight. He Ooh. has been, he has been incredible. He's been running great lines. He's often... He's often the catalyst to some really great front football where they where they start where they start cooking from. Um, I'm loving him. I'm loving him. He's a youngster. Their their loose trio with um, I'm trying to think now. Uh, did did Negri start every game this season? I think he did. I but think they, so. Yeah. They, their loose trio with Lamaro and Lorenzo Canoni. They they are all all essentially in inverted commas going to be available for the next World Cup. Negri too. I just I, I can't remember how old he is. Sorry, and I'm saying this from an age perspective. Uh, Sebastian Negri's 28, but they've got they've they most of their loose trio. They've got guys that are, are they've got another four year cycle in them. 
Um, so I'm super excited to see how they how they bring it. Yeah, and that was going to be sort of a lot of my nominations are stuck or in their forward pack. I mean, the Italian backline has been great, especially in attack. And you can say a lot so of great good. things about Capuozzo. Um, Brex has been great at, at, in the midfield. Menoncello has been great moving into the centers. The wings and Bruno and Padovani are really nice. Gobisi, I think, has made... I mean, the, he just added, added a level of just, you know, attacking like threat to 10 than um, Tommaso Allen has. But their forwards, I think, have been the standard um, setters there. and. I would probably go that just to go um, from number eight to number six. I'd say Negri is my player of the tournament. I think he'd be very close for like a Six Nations team of the tournament as well. He's just, he's a perfect type of six. I Like to the point yes. that I think a lot of the other countries would want a six like him. I think Wales could do with a six like him. Scotland could do a six like him. Like he hurts people <laughs> and he clears bodies away <laughs> when he needs to. So he's probably up there with like sort of making tackles. He hits as many racks as he can. He just makes an absolute nuisance of himself. And I think the play that sort of signifies how good Negri was, was in that round two game against England when he absolutely flattened Owen Farrell. And that's yes. just the type of player that Negri is. So he'd be my, my top player. Shout outs to Faschetti. I think he's been great at, um, at, at loose head. Um, Simone Ferrari has also been really good. Um, I think he the, the 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 scrum looks a lot better or plays a lot better when he's at tight head. Nicotera uh, at, at 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 hook as well, and then Federico Ruza has been far and away the the top lineout taker um, for for the tournament as well. I think he has double the amount of lineouts that the other lineout jumpers has. So yeah, I think those would probably be the ones that are near the top. I tell you, for me, what I would really like to see because I I know that Garbisi brings that brings that at ten. I would like to see, and I'd, I don't know when they're going to trial it, but they must, because I think that you need Allen on the field after seeing the last couple of games. I know the first two games he wasn't great. His kicking was poor. I would like to see Tommaso Allen at 10, Paolo Gabisi is Paolo. Yeah, my bad. Paolo Gabisi yes. at 12, and then you can have um, Capoazzo at 15, because that way you can incorporate everybody. They have been chopping and changing their 12s around. Their midfield has been doing really well, so it's really harsh to say this. It's not a case of trying to drop someone because they haven't been performing. Like They've been chopping and changing guys around, and they've all really put their hand up. But Garbisi, who's played 12 for Montpellier, um, could that that could be that balance fixer for Italy. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe just add some game management to the team as well. Just a quick shout-out in terms of a stat. Danilo Fischetti is top of the dominant tackles list for the Six Nations with 10 dominant tackles. So that's to a match, which is quite insane, actually. That means he's really putting his body on the line. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, so many of their players put their hand up. There, there are few Italian players that, that didn't perform. And that's, mm. like, they, they've got that. They've got that belief. They wake up in the morning and they're like, cool, we, we've got this, you know? Um, and they haven't had that for a while. They've had it, but maybe they have, wouldn't have been shouting it from the rooftops. I think now the country and them are shouting it from the rooftops. You know, it's only a matter of time yeah. before they roll someone. Yeah, and hopefully consistently start winning um, in the Six Nations as well. Going to Scotland, out of 10, I think I would give them a 
six and a half. So just under maybe a seven or an eight. I think they've done really well. Obviously, they were the third best team in the tournament. And yeah, actually, no, I'm converting myself to a seven already. But I think they've done enough to show. <laughs> I'm such a lenient marker. But yeah, I think they've done enough to show that they're the best of the rest. They deserve that number five ranking in the world. They're playing really well. They've, I think they're also a good lesson to England and Wales of, you know, just keep your coach because Gregor Townsend was facing probably similar like heat than what Eddie Jones and, um, and Pivak were facing this time last year. But they kept to their guns. They stuck to their game plan and it's starting to, to bear fruit. Like things are coming together in their game plan. Like their defense is consistently, I, I saw a stat that said their defense has consistently been at least second or third in terms of tries conceded. Um, in the tournament, yeah, they have tackle a high tackle percentage. Been, yeah, it's been head and shoulders above everyone. Yeah. And so that's shout out to Steve Tandy for creating that defensive line. But I, what I like about it is they've almost, like other teams are doing the rush defense type of thing. Their one is, okay, we'll absorb and just not give you space and just mm. limit the amount of line breaks that you, that you can create. And obviously only the best teams, France and, and Ireland, have been the only teams that have really tested their their defensive lines. So, yeah, I think a seven is a is a good result. What do you think, Sean? I I'm actually going to go the six as well because with everything that they've had and with the experience they've had, so they're not Italy are new. This is rare air for them. With the, with respect, Scotland, it's not like they've spent a lot of time mm-hmm. trying to get back up, but they they've been here before in in the past this mm. they always always expect better and now they got the better and they didn't close it out so they struggled against italy um it was it was close i thought probably could have done a little bit better against ireland um and um they they really put in a massive shot against france so that you know that's great so i'm gonna go with the six because they, they have they've got all the makings of everything they the Everything seems to be right. It seems to be clicking. It all seems good. They just need that polishing, and then they need to be able to just deliver on the day, which they've shown that they can. Maybe one one day they didn't deliver uh, against Ireland, and Italy was 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 touch and go. So I'm gonna go the six as well. Mm. And then I think that leads to the next point of what do you think they should actually work on? Like, what's the big work on for Scotland? Hmm. I, I time in the saddle. That's what they need. They, they need to, they need to just fine tune what they're, what they're doing. So they need to kind of be boring and just pick these guys and just make everyone like, you need to know what's happening with your eyes closed with the guy next to you. And I don't Mm. think that's far away. Mm, And that's what they kind of need to work on. The other thing that they, uh, they need to work on is um, is they've got to be confident, but they've got to still kind of respect everything that's going to go on because they can't just go balls to the wall in the World Cup. Uh, they play South Africa first, and then they play Ireland. Mm. So you know they're probably they're probably going to prepare for the box and look for that to to create the the, the issue, the the disruption, and and then give themselves a chance, and then hopefully South Africa beat Ireland. I don't even know what happens after that in terms of fixtures, who plays who when, but they're obviously going to target the Springboks. And uh, yeah, so time in the saddle for me would be best for them. Yeah, I think, 
I mean, this is very impossible to work on, but I think the 15 is good. Their first choice or around about like their first, like the top 20 players in Scotland are great. I think, you know, we can argue whether all of them are, or some of them are world-class or not. I think they, a lot of them are below that level. But when Russell, Richie, Skuman, uh, one or both of the Greys, Hog, Tiopolo, two, Hugh Jones are all playing well, Dion van der Merwe, then they have a chance, at least against most teams. It's, I think that second half, or that's that the bench and the, the players coming on where the standards drop, especially in their props, for example. Like, you go from Skuman and Ferguson and you go to, I mean, still a good scrummager, but an admittedly old VPN now, you go into Bergman and, and those sort of players. And, and Sutherland's yeah, still there. The standard then, does drop. Yeah, um, I'm going to disagree with you slightly in that I think okay. that they're, they're starting the, w- with Skuman and Ferguson and Sutherland and Nell. I think if they work them around, like give everyone ample minutes and, and sort out the little things that need to be sorted out, um, that, they'll, that they'll be okay in the props. I, I think so. I think Vip okay. Nell's still, still going to come. He's, still, he's not done. He's not on the downward. Um, so I think he'll be, I think they'll be okay. But after that is, is an issue. There's no doubt, but agreed on your, on your roundup though. They, 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 they yeah. miss one or two players and then, and then things go a little bit pitong and then they start have, have to moving people around like seriously out of position yeah. or different positions. But maybe this is, on the other hand, maybe this is just their peak. Like, you know, this is as good at least for now as Scotland can mm. get. I mean, you look at the under-20 results. I mean, Ireland pasted them last well, two weeks ago, and you know they finished, I think, fifth or sixth in the under-20s. They don't really have those players coming on. I guess that's why they are trying to recruit um, Sioni to Lotus' brother to come to Scotland as well. Yeah, how's that? Like, I'll tell you, he's they, just, just riding on his brother's coattails, and he's like, listen, I need to secure this contract. <laughs> you see what you got here? Well, I'm a little bit better. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've got the name, I've got everything. So I guess, you know, being able to sort of strongly compete against the best three, four sides in the world and be, being able to beat the best of the rest, winning the Kolkata Cup, they're just very unfortunate with their World Cup group because you would probably Shit, expect man. them to be near the top of their group if they were in Group C or Group D with imagine, and Wales and all those yes. other countries. Imagine, just, just imagine for a second that they were in another group. They were, you, you would be, everyone would just turn around and go, they, they're going to be in the quarterfinals. It's well, only semifinals they, even. Sure. Once, once, so, once you get yeah. to knockouts, the game changes dramatically. So. But, uh, but yeah, you're 100% right. Yeah, so maybe this is also what maybe they should in some ways expect and hopefully they can improve sort of the, the structures to get those sort of good players and get that level of depth going. Because, yeah, it's good that you mentioned someone like Rory Sutherland who didn't play. And hopefully they, he can give some form of like, you know, that level of quality for their props. And, he he you know, played. What do you mean he didn't Richie play? During the, he didn't he play in the tournament? Yeah. Sutherland? Yes, he played this so. weekend. Yeah. He, he, he was on the bench this weekend against Italy. Oh, he played... Yeah, he played this weekend. Got 21 minutes. He's been playing okay, flipping, he, flipping well in the URC. He he's he's going to yeah. be he's going to he's he's vital for them 
you're bang on though. They they've got four props, and then after that they're in trouble. So they kind of got to yeah. stick with these guys, and they really got to go all the way, like wrap them in yeah. cotton. Wool. But even like when they lost like Richie Gray, and like you know you get to that level of like, uh, are you happy with like Skinner and Cummings coming in? You probably want only Grays and Grant Gilchrist to be your lock. So I think it's just a level of just improving that depth to try and really maximize how good they are as a mm. team. And then, yeah, in terms of player of the tournament, wh- who would you go for? Oh, I tell you, I, I'm going to upset some people Yeah, I thought Jack Dempsey was so good, and I know he benched a lot. I thought he was good. It's really hard. Like, if you look at their back line, Duan Fanamava beat more players in this tournament than he did in 2021, which was hard because that mm. was the best ever. <laughs> He he had a good tournament. He he's in the form of his life at the moment. Sioni Tupolatu, I think, can get better. I'm a little bit critical of him. Um, I perhaps my ignorance. I don't understand his exact role, but I, I just watching him, I think he can do better. Jones surprised me in that his defense, I, ball in hand, as an attacking player, he is one of the best in the world, and he's been given the most unbelievable platform. So it's really hard that I say Tui Pilotti could be better when Jones is playing so well because you can't be playing well at 13 if your 12 is irrelevant. And for me, uh, someone who who really has been great and uh, he he's just he's not flashy or anything like that, but Carl Stein has been so vital for Scotland's backline. I'm so happy that he stayed on and it was at the expense of, of Darcy Graham, who's an incredible finisher. But Carl Stainer showed his worth at international level. Sorry. Um, I'm, oh, man, this is hard. Duan <laughs> Fanamava has to, has to. He, he was shown up. He was shown up in, in the one game that mattered. And he was out of position. The one, the one he was out of position, but he backed himself. He, for me, did it consciously. It wasn't too much of an unconscious bite in. It was... He, he backed himself to to get to that corner. It was a real tight finish, but it was the pass. It was the pass, you know, for me, you know me, I'm always about targets. You must hit your targets when you pass. And that, that Keenan pass hit the target and Hansen just got him, you know. So mm. oh, between Duan van and and Hugh Jones, and to be fair, Hugh Jones made less errors, so it's got to be Hugh Jones for me. Okay. I will go one inside to two below two. I think, yeah, I I think you've 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 covered it quite well um, with what you've said, and I just think that two below two is like the secret sauce that helps make yes. the Russell Jones thing work so well because just hundred percent he has a yeah he has just a great ability to carry the ball to the line and look like he's about to either run over someone or just about to pass. So it's just really really good, and obviously Jones and Finn will just run lines around him all day. So I think he's a big key to how this backline's been working. And I think Scotland has been struggling a little bit the last four years of securing a, a center combination. And I'm, I guess a big reason for the improvement is that they finally sorted it out. Like we've had, you know, Rick Arthur, thought- Johnson and yeah. all those sort of players now. And we finally got, you know, the combination that's got, that's working well. And luckily for them, this combination will, will play together now for the next few months in the URC as well. 
no one's no one's swapping them no one's swapping them out at club or country right now there's no way mm-hmm. it's like everyone's looking at that just and they're just like falling in love going flip man we're going to score the best tries Hugh Pilot, uh, Hugh Pilotti, Hugh Pilotti is great. Who would have thought that we would be saying <laughs> this about the two of them at the beginning of the Six Nations? We saw one game where they took Mm-mm. the Stormers apart, and yeah. and uh, there were questions about a few things. I I do have an issue that Tui Pilotti, ironically, in the beginning, wasn't carrying as much as I would like to have seen him carry, and uh, mm. Finn Russell picked up that load. Now, whether that was tactical or or Finn just decided like screw it, I'll do it, but. I don't, I don't not rate Tuipilotu. I think he's brilliant. I think he's got a lot to learn. He's still a youngster, though. And he's, yeah. I don't even know how many test matches he's got. He's 26. So, um, you know, he's at that right space where he lo- understands and trusts his game, but he's still got lots of learning to do on the test stage. And that learning is coming quickly. Like, if you look at that center pairing with how they've grown together in the last, what, two months alone, it's astronomical. But if you look at how he has grown as a 12, his game has changed. He started doing more. And I think that he maybe just settled it down in the beginning of the test drug in, in test matches, just, you know, started just doing the basics. Like I'm here, I can't. And then he's just grown and grown and grown with the confidence of the man inside and outside. And then with his own ability. Yeah. He's, he's going to be good. If he, if the two of them carry on playing the way they are more specifically, if he carries on playing the way he is, you could have someone else at 13 because I'd like to see Carl Stan at 13 sometime um, because Carl Stan will, oh, will, okay. no, will no doubt play, um, will, will no doubt be, be dropped when um, Darcy Graham comes back. So Stan, I would love to see him back in, back in the squad and in the mix, but to see what they, what they do and how they do it. But Stan is an option at 13, definitely. He's def- for me, he's definitely an option at 13. Um, it, and, and, and that's just in case there's an injury or, or, or something, but he'll, he'll, I'd like to see him play their test, uh, test level. Yeah. I think just quickly on work ons as well, just looking at Scotland's stats for the tournament, not the best line out in the world, but yeah, they had seven line outs stolen. They've got to fix that. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a thing where, especially because I think it happened in their last two games when they lost, um, uh, Gilchrist and Richie Gray, which is their first choice combination. But yeah, things did go a bit to part, especially last week against Ireland. And yeah, so they would really want to to focus on that. But I think most other things, you've got sort of the, the, the defensive baseline. So you've got like a defense that really doesn't leak tackles and doesn't leak any line breaks. And you've obviously got a really quick counter-attacking game that is back, willing to back themselves to score a try from 100 meters. So if you can just get those sort of like important technical things going, then you've got a, a team that can really be, you know, just at least a threat because mm. yeah. One thing that this six nations has proven is that Ireland and South Africa can't just be like, Oh, we've got that game against Scotland. They have to really be like, Oh, this is something that we have to really focus on. So I yeah. think at least that's a good place for Scotland to be in. Um, this four year journey. Um, yeah. And just Sean quickly gets, on that. Oh, sorry. Finish, yeah. Um, in carries for the tournament, in carries. So I'm always very hesitant on carries when they when when a when a backline player is there because you you just know it's a kick return carry and it kind of frustrates me. But Pierce Kuman, the highest carrying forward in the tournament was 60, followed mm-hmm. by Faletar and Negri. Now, Skuman 
has he's been carrying big time and he's been really he's been doing well he's grown as an international player which is great successful tackles most matt Ferguson and turnovers one second is jamie ritchie well he's sorry he's tied for mm-hmm. first with james ryan and kaylin doris so their their players are contributing and what they need to do is spread that a little bit you know what i mean like is you've got to mm-hmm. kind of spread the load um, allowing people to you, because if, for instance, if you lose a skuman, you're, you're in, you know, you, you lose your, your main carrier, which shouldn't normally be a hassle. Cause if you look at the, the carries for the tournament, the top carrier for Scotland was skuman was 60. And the second highest carrier was Finn Russell at 52. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, you know, me and, and tens carrying, you know, it freaking, I, I short circuit, man, does my head in. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that when I when I was carrying stats. I was like, "Oh, Sean's not going to be happy about this." Yeah, I guess that's the whole thing about the depth question. Is you know, losing Skuman would be a big change for them, and it seems like them losing uh, uh, their locks, for example, has obviously had its effect on the lineup. So, if they can, and that's the one question I also have for Scotland: is they lose trio balance? Is they've got pretty much six really good players in Ferguson, Watson, Richie. DMC, um, and I'm probably forgetting one or two others, Crosby as well. Now, what's the oh, best combination and what will work? I'm in so bummed Crosby didn't play That's more. That's a big question. Yeah. I'm so, so you want Ferguson's You want Ferguson's work rate. You want, you know, Watson's ability to almost never miss a tackle. You want Richie's ability on the ground. You want, you know, DMC's ability with the board in hand. So what, you know, that's going to be a big question for Townsend when he goes into that um, September 10th game against the Springboks. Um, World Cup. So yep. let's move to the France-Wales game. Uh, look, I don't think there's too much to say about this game, apart from that Damien Pinot try was amazing and it was nice to see Wales yes. score some tries. <laughs> yes. So the Welsh, the Welsh team like they, they played, um, which was great to see. Um, you know, they scored 28 points of which three of those tries were in the second half. So so that's that's mm-hmm. that's good going. Um, in fact, the it was twenty one all in the second half, if memory serves. Yeah. Uh, Look, I mean, I think it was twenty one all. So not yeah. Too much, yeah. I was going to say there's not too much I'll take from this game because I think France definitely once they got that sort of lead going in the first half, they definitely shifted down a few gears and started coasting a little bit. I'm sure. Galtier and Sean Edwards will probably like fist fight them about conceding 28 points, but it did seem like a team that was like, look, we've done more than more enough attacking in the last game and a half to last us a lifetime. So we'll chill now in the second half. Yeah. So I, so just to let you know, ahead of Super Saturday, I, I, I was planning on talking about this for the, for the Island game, but ahead of Super Saturday, the, the, what I wanted was as a neutral is I wanted France to thump Wales. And then I wanted England to score two quick tries in the beginning, in the mm. first 20 minutes against Ireland, and then just sit back and watch the last hour of the tournament unfold. That's what I wanted as a neutral, because that would have just blown everything to pieces. And when Wales mm. scored that try at the end, I, I said, I said that, that I'm telling you now, those guys are going to be shat all over the French side for conceding that try. 100%. That try could have been so vital because what that try meant was that going into england um going into ireland england 
is that the points difference was equal, which opened up a whole new can of worms that wouldn't have allowed um, Ireland to lose by anything. Mm. Like it wasn't that like lose by seven and blah, blah, blah. So it really, like I thought that that try was, uh, in, in, a, in an alternate universe, that try would have cost France the, the Six Nations. And imagine, imagine losing to a small lapse of concentration at the end of the game. Well, listen, to be fair, France love doing that, <laughs> or French sides. <laughs> I've seen them do it in the, in, the, in the Champions Cup. I think it was Morgan Parra that did it. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. But yeah. And yeah, I guess a team like they, they have, they set, sorry about that, very high standards for their, for their defense especially. Um, let's quickly talk about Wales and just their review. So only one win. And they've they've got only six points in the in the tournament, and like I said earlier, similar stats to Italy in terms of like try scored and points scored and points conceded. Um, four losses, but I guess they would take a lot of heart from the last two games in which they scored eight tries in total, which is eight out of the eleven tries they scored in the whole tournament, <laughs> and they are sort of putting some things together, but Sean. Yeah, I'm not sure what you can give them out of 10 because they played almost five different teams in this tournament. Like there was a lot of experimenting from Warren Gatlin. Yeah, it's um, an interesting time. Out of 10, I, <laughs> I'm i going to give them a six as well. So I've gone with three sixes. Um, I, I tell you why. I think the plan from Gatland is play youngsters and change things up and just get guys ready. So come the World Cup, I know who I can call on. Everyone's used to mm -hmm. what's going down. And then for the last game, he basically overhauled everything and put in what I would assume would be very close to their first choice side. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I, that's why I'm giving them a six. They, I, they, I know, and also to be fair, there has been so much non-rugby stuff going on that is really, sorry, not non-rugby stuff, but non-playing stuff that has been going down that has just been an absolute shit show. So I will give them a six. I, I'm, I'm sympathetic to what has happened to them or field, what is going on with, with, the, with the coaching change up, um, then also running into Ireland and France of, 2023 um you know like nothing was really working for them so mm. i think they're in a good place i think they're in a better place than england to be fair and that's why i'm giving them a six yeah i guess that's where different lanes of interpretation taken because i'm i'm probably leaning towards that they're not in that much of a good place and that these last two results are just aberrations like oh. against. Um, Italy we, and this we're going to have a, a good chat in the World Cup, eh? You and I, <laughs> reflecting yeah, on look, this. I, I think maybe, yeah, maybe, like, obviously, Gatland has proven himself, especially with preparing for World Cup. So maybe they this is sort of the thing that they're trying, they're trying to do. And I think you're right, Sean, in terms of their selection strategy, trying to blood the youngsters, see who who's going to stand up. I mean, someone, I think, for example, if you take this team that they played on Saturday is the basis. I think one change automatically is probably Joe Hawkins coming in. You can maybe argue someone like, you know, Chris Trinza coming into the locks. You can, uh, Jaffa Jenkins whoa, was on whoa, the bench. Whoa, whoa. Could... Reverse. Just reverse that for me. 
where is Hawkins going to play and in place of who? Nick Tompkins. But we can talk Are about you, that another time. But you're <laughs> flipping damn straight. You don't you very dare. I, I, no, are you, look, are you mad? I think, I think that Joe Hawkins gives them a lot more in terms of obviously the, the carrying ability. Obviously, he's not as good as Hawkins, but close enough. And the fact that he can be a playmaker as well, which you need outside of someone like Dan Bigger. Tompkins must but, play 13. Okay, well, we can argue about that. I, I don't think George North is necessarily uh, the answer. So, I love I, think I love the, North at thirteen, and I love Hawkins at twelve as well. It must be said. Sorry, I, I'm interrupting, but uh, yeah, carry on. I'll I'll jump in just now. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, I think the big thing is there's two things. Number one, what like I think there's still some questions about who their best fifteen is. Maybe not as much as England at the moment, but I think that's more of a. Uh, uh, like how the games happened, that England's worst game happened near the end and Wales's best games happened near the end. So I think it obviously looks a bit more rosy for them. But I still think they have questions about who their best players are. They still have questions about sort of how they approach games. It seems like they're trying to be a bit more attacking than they were sort of in the previous Gatland era, which obviously is good in some ways. And it does seem like they they were successful in doing some of those things. But they still need to really just work on a few things. Their defense and like their set piece stuff and is still not as good as it should be. And yeah, I, I, I think maybe they should they should really try to limit their game and try to be as conservative as possible. But I would probably give them like a five just for, you know, saving their campaign with the win against Italy. And yeah, I think there's a lot of context with regards to what you mentioned, Sean, about the stuff that happened off the field with regards to the WRU and its failings, the contract negotiations. So maybe not, you can't expect too much more, but I think there's still some questions that they have to answer about, you know, what their best team is, because I think you can, even with that, if we take that 23 from Saturday as our basis, you know, resummited. I'm just going to mention some players that, you know, you can maybe move around, you know, resummited 50. North and Tompkins at 13 and 12. Um, their props, uh, Wynn Jones and Francis, are you, are you the most happy with them? I think, you know, generally, even though he gets a lot of grief from so- social media, I think Alan Wynn Jones has established himself as still the best, you know, one of the best locks for, for them. And the, the loose trio, you know, you want to put in Jack Morgan into that loose trio. So one of Wainwright or Tipperick needs to fall out probably. So, I think there's still some questions that they need to answer. So I guess what Gatlin's probably going to say to this to his team or what he said to this team when they left is, look, you've got your you know, next few months of domestic rugby to try and stake your claim. And you better perform as best as you can to try and get it because there's probably still many jerseys that are still up for grabs. Yeah, I think, I think them, Wales and England have the most penciled in squad out of out of anyone at the moment the lightest pencil as well not like those hard like two h pencils like those light light ones we can still rub it out like just with a bit of spit uh and 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 then and there's a little backup thing of tippics next to it just in case <laughs> yeah so that's where i'm like okay give them the five but i know i don't know how many questions have been answered look i mean uh, maybe not necessarily now, but I think there's still 
Gatlin just has to still find that balance between the youth and the experience. I'm very interested to hear what, who your best player in the Six Nations was for Wales because I struggled with this one. Oh, there's only one for me because of the movement, the changing up uh, of, of squads and all that sort of stuff. And it just has to be Talupe Falata. Um, Fair enough. There's, uh, if anyone comes close to, to getting a mention, it would be Rio Dyer. He's been, he's mm. been a great find. But I don't, I don't remember him playing all the games. Uh, having said that, regardless mm. of even if he did play all the games, I think Talupe Falata has been, he's been very quietly there and very quietly vital, vital for Wales. Um, they need him. Mm. He's probably the only one that can really put his name in pen. <laughs> and no tipics allowed yes. for him. I reckon, I, I reckon I they've would... done that and said, listen, you need to take a break. Like, don't even worry about the URC. You know, <laughs> just just be ready for the World Cup because you're going. Mm. Yeah, and shout out to him for winning his hundredth Test cap. He won on Saturday. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. You know, he's. It's it's been interesting with with number eights. I think there's been some really great ones, but then some ones that have been a bit in and out in terms of world rugby. But Valentin is probably one of the better number eights we've had in the last twenty or so years. So he's been amazing. I have a question, and I'm going to kind of go back to the midfield. But uh, Luisi Halaholo and Ray Lilo are, let's say, they're both fit and ready for the World Cup. Mm. Who, who, what, what is your midfield looking like then? Do either of them, um, Leapfrog, Hawkins, um, North, uh, Tompkins, and, and uh, what, what's his name? Grady, the the youngster, the big big Grady youngster. Is the, <laughs> he's a he's a unit, like. Or how do you how do you see it? Because they they we they've essentially got three midfield combos. If if you mm. if you exclude that Tompkins can play thirteen, so Tompkins twelve North thirteen, um, what's his face and Grady twelve thirteen that other youngster. Hawkins, up, yeah. Sorry, Hawkins and Grady. Apologies. And then they've also got um, um, Alaholo and Lilo. N- not saying that those are all combos that have to stick, but I mean they've they've. Those two coming back fit, they've got some depth. It's about the balance. And I mean, Jonathan Davies could still probably put his name in there if he wants to. So there's a lot of options. I wish, but he's (laughs) been, he's been like, I don't know what happened, but he's just like, cool, it's done. International retirement. You don't even have to announce it. You're just not getting another recall. Shame. He does appear on the Good, Bad and Rugby podcast and I think he obviously still wants to play for Wales, but it's quite clear that Gatton and Pivak have blocked his number on WhatsApp. I think how, to answer your how, question though, Sean. Can you believe it? I'm sorry, but those are the two guys that he's played the most under. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like they're brand new coaches. It's bizarre. Anyway, so. Yeah. I guess it's just an age thing and he's not really playing as well as he could, but... I would go, I would, I would probably just, just for sake of just stability, maybe England, you can argue that players that are out of the Six Nations squad can still come in. But with Wales, I think the best thing for them is just to get um, consistency. So unless those two really bring the house down in the next few months, which I think is unlikely, because yeah, of like the happen. injuries and stuff, I think you'd stick with those four. And then I think the, the, the ultimate combination will probably be a mix of youth and experience. So I can definitely see maybe a mix of like Hawkins North or Hawkins Tompkins or Tompkins Grady or something along those lines. Tompkins Grady. Um, 
would be badass. I'm telling you now, Tompkins Grady would be badass. I don't Tompkins, know if they would necessarily get the ball to the wings, but it would definitely yeah, but be like yeah, massive yeah. in the midfield. But you, you can't, you can't, you can't take your off Tompkins for a second. He carry, he carry, he punches way above his weight category, and then, and then yeah. you've got Grady outside him who is a beast. Uh, I, I think that'll be fun to watch. We'll see it, maybe not before the World Cup, but we'll see it somewhere along the line. Hopefully. So my player of the tournament would be Adam Beard, who I think is probably the other yes. player that you can put in pen. Yeah, shot. he's just been, I think I'm a big, well, I am a big fan of his. I think he's been near sort of the top of the tree for like locks. We know how good he is with like stopping roading walls and all that sort of stuff. And he's just improved with like his ball carrying and his ability to link up and support as well. And Beard. yeah, I think he's probably a big foundational piece for what they want to do, especially with, Probably Will Rowlands, you know, the fact that he's not going to be able to be, or he will be now, but he wasn't able to be selected in this round of Six Nations. I think if you've got Beard, Jones, Rowlands, and Daffod Jenkins, like that's a really good lock, um, like trio options. or lock, yeah, yeah, uh, like options to have, yeah. Beard, Beard, Beard allows you allows you to to play around a little bit. It it allows mm. you to manage Alan Wynn Jones which is important because he's going, he's going to play in the world cup. So yeah, you, you bang on. That's it. That's such a great shot. And he's a very much an unsung hero. Um, the, the two guys, I mean, Falata and Beard are both very, very quiet, unassuming players, but when you watch them, then you're like, shit, they get yeah, through they a mountain a of work. Yeah. Mm. And then let's go to the French side. I mean, France, I think on their standards, have probably not had like an amazing Six Nations, but still four wins out of five, 20 points. Um, you know, they the scoreboard, I think, in that Ireland game was a bit, um, a bit what do you call it, like favorable to Ireland, but they did were the one team that really ran Ireland close for, for most of the game. And they did it, you know, having to problem solve through a few things. But what would be your what would be your grade out of ten for France? Eight. Oh, that hmm. seems high. Eight. Um, they, <laughs> yeah, they, I was going to say seven and a half. They 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 wobbled, um, but they still are managing the squad. There's been quite a lot of movement with players, for whatever reason, whether it's suspensions or injuries. Um, so there's been quite a lot of movement. They've had a bit of a wobble, but they seem to have tightened up and come back. So I would give them an eight. I think they're pretty. I think they'll be pretty, pretty acid. They'll be pretty pissed that they that they lost to Ireland the way they did. Um, mm. That was uh, that. You know, you've got to go away from home. You've got to beat Ireland in in Dublin. You've got to beat England in Twickenham. You've got to do it. And I think that they were pretty much geared up for that, and they they just. It sounds very disrespectful, but perhaps that that moment there got too big for them on the day. So I think they're burning. Mm. I still I still think they're very much on track. I still think they're in a really good place for the World Cup. I think they they didn't capitulate in any way. You know, we we're all sitting. We, we people are sitting there waiting for it, but you'll the people still throw it out. I still see it in the media, like. Is it, is it a case like, will France be able to cope with the pressure? Will they blah, 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 like yada, 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 all that sort of cuck. It's different. It's different. They have a different head on their shoulders. They are very, very confident. 
And I think that they're tracking their plan for the World Cup. I think they're tracking. They'd love to have gone back to back a Grand Slam, but they're tracking very well for the World Cup. Yeah, I think Sean, you've you you you've nailed it there. At least my my thinking with France is the same that they didn't necessarily need to win the Six Nations because they did it last year. They've beaten everyone that they need to beat. I mean, they even did beat Ireland in Dublin in 2021. So they've got that win in their belt. And it was clear from how they played against England that that was the match they were targeting, the Twickenham match. And we saw what they do when they're really focused on beating a wow. team. So they are pretty much heading on the right track. I think there is some things that they need to work on to sort of move to that part of the conversation. So... I'll give them seven and a half. The, the big thing, I think, there's two things. Number one is discipline. You know, France had the best discipline in the tournament last time. They didn't concede um, any yellow or red cards basically throughout most of the 2021 season, which is when they had that winning streak of 15 or 16 games. And then we turned to this tournament and they, <laughs> they've had two tight end problems with two red cards, which, you know, already tells a story. And then they had a few yellow cards in there as well. So they've clearly not been as good with their discipline as they, as, they, as, they, as they were supposed to. So that's one thing that they need to work on. And then the second thing is, I think they do still need a bit of um, backup depth behind Cyril Bay. So um, Remo Wadi, Remy Wadi has been playing for them at, 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 as they reserve um, loose head. And I, yeah, I think there's a drop in quality when Wadi and Falatea come on. So they need to, I don't know if it's maybe someone like um, Daddy Priso can come back into the team. I'm not sure, but I think Jean-Baptiste Gros is going to come back um, quite soon. I mean, the Lucid for Toulon, who's, I think I was listening to a, a, an interview um, on the French Rugby podcast and, and the player there was talking about how he's the best grammar he's ever faced. So they just need to get that depth back into their prop, um, prop um, stocks. I mean, they did well with managing their tight head um, crisis with all of them being suspended and Alder Gary played really well against England. But they just need to really, because we know how much France relies on just getting that set-piece domination. So if they want to, especially if they're playing against like the likes of Ireland and South Africa, if they can get to a place where they know that their starting forwards and their bench forwards, there isn't really a drop in quality, then they'll be in a good place. So I think that's just the next thing that they have to work on and making sure one of those lucid props comes into form. But in terms of other things, people saying that they're being figured out, all that sort of stuff, I think it's similar to how the box have been in the last few years, that you can say you figure them out and you have plans for this and this. They're still better than you in terms of execution and they can still beat you. And I think France has shown that in this game, that oh, in this tournament, that when they focus for a 20-minute stanza, like in the Scotland game, in the Wales game or in the Italy game, they can still take the game away from them. Mm. As Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until you get a punch in the face. <laughs> Which I think sums up France pretty well, actually. Yep. Um, yeah. Do you have any work-ons for them for, for future? Mm. No. I think they're tracking quite well. <laughs> I, I, mm. I, I can't really add... It's not that I don't have. I can't really add more uh, to what you've said with with their props. Um, I um, yeah, I quite like what's happening. I, it's very interesting. They're going to be in a in a good in a in a good space for the World Cup. 
um they've got depth all over the show um except in, in yeah. what you've mentioned yeah dupont needs to be wrapped like wrapped in cotton wool i i, I wouldn't uh, okay he's been suspended now but not report but uh, I, I think Fabian Galtier is going to try what? to pay off some refs for the top 14 in order what to make I'm, sure that Toulouse doesn't go through into the final. Bernard not Laporte, the oh, French like Antoine Laporte. I'm like, what the hell did I miss? No, 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 no. <laughs> Messi. Yeah, heart attack here, man. <laughs> Bernard Laporte. Antoine Dupont. I think, yeah, if, if there's a way for Galtier to limit the number of games that Toulouse plays, I'm sure he'll find it. Like, yes. he'll probably try to bribe refs to like throw some of the games for the Champions Cup or for the top four team because he's he's been you know, he's been that word, anonymous tip, for those tip off man for for, <laughs> for for everything. So if we Yeah, so him and Aldred need to be managed, I think, for the next few months. And Fiku. Oh, and Fiku as well, of course. But Fiku and, more uh, than Dante. Dante was incredible. Yeah. But Fiku. How how okay, before you even broach the subject, how are we going to pick the best player from France is that that is next, right? <laughs> like, yes. do we just do we just say we ignore Antoine Dupont, and then we pick the next best player, or are we I just going to so. be, or we just going to say right, Antoine Dupont, move on? Because I'd like to talk about some other players. Because no. there's a there, there's, just below Antoine Dupont, about there's players. a long list. There's a long. Okay, so who is the second best <laughs> player in France? It if is... I can have a have a shot first, no God, I please. think you have. Yeah, I think you, I I would give it to Gael Fiku because I think he's been the glue and he really was able to help the team clearly with you know the I mean and that's not disrespect to Johan Mofana who is a really good player and is obviously a really good young talent but there's definitely a, a level of quality that he doesn't have that Dante has and Fiku was the one that just kept things together. He was crashing the ball up and basically attacking at 12. He was defending at 13 and just keeping the, the, the fires down. And in that Island game, when Island was really giving France the runaround in, in some parts of the game, it was Gelfiku that was basically saving their, their, their backsides a lot. There's big shout-outs to pretty much all the other te- players in the team, especially Francois Croix, who's been so good coming back into the team. Like I'm a massive fan of Croix, and I think he's... He's a massive key in terms of how France does their things because he's the one that basically makes sure that they have quick ball um, phase after phase and is a massive threat in there in, in, in getting counteracts as well. But yeah, I'll mention Fico and Ramos and then give you the floor for basically each and every other player that you can mention. Yeah. No, but you stole my guys. Thibaut from... <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought... Flamont. Flamont. The man who used to play in England, he has been incredible. What? He's, what? Uh, did, did you not you, know I, that? I didn't know that he played in you England. Got me. No. You got me. Well done. That was, you got me. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, what have I done? Yeah, didn't you know? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't know. I didn't know. So anyway, <laughs> I think he has been, he has been incredible. He has moved himself into a space in the French side where when he was coming through, everyone's like, he's talented, he's good, blah, blah, blah. He is in a place now where amongst 10 other players that you've put their name down first on the team sheet, because France have that, he is one of those now. He is that guy that you put down first. He's, he's, been, he's been outstanding. Um, 
You know, I, I thought Roman Intimac has got a lot of abuse. Uh, I, he just seems, mm. people just don't seem to be respecting him. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. It's weird because he's been not, he hasn't been shit. He's been quiet. He's not been shit though. Um, mm. Jonathan Dante was, he showed his worth, but I mean, he obviously was, was, mm. didn't play, didn't play too much. But Gal Fiku for me has been, Vital, vital, vital. Him and Ramos. So four, thirteen, and fifteen are are for me the the guys that have been. It's crazy. It's crazy to think of how we're speaking about this French side and they didn't win the Six Nations. If you look at that team <laughs> and you're like, they're all in. They're guaranteed starters. There's no one. There's no one that starts ahead of Dupont. There's no one that starts ahead of Intermac. You could argue that, um, oh, damn it, his name escapes me. Charlie Bear. Thank you very much. Plays for Bordeaux. You could argue that he could maybe start, but that goes back to my first thing about the respect because Charlie Bear is in incredible form. He's a great player, but he, you can't play him at 15 ahead of Ramos, so he has to fight that out with 10, uh, at 10 with Intermark. Intermark starts. Charlie Bear can be in the squad because he will add a lot of value. He's a, he's a like for like. Like you can rest Intermark and Charlie Bear will play, and you'll be like, holy shit, he must start, you know? So they've got two great ones. Dumortier has been incredible. And to think he's second second choice, maybe third choice left wing, <laughs> he's been brilliant. Mm. Dante, no one's taking Dante's spot if he's fit. No one's taking Fiku's spot. The only person that's taking Dante, Dante's spot is Fiku. <laughs> so so you got to decide who's playing a 13. Peno, no one's going to beat him. And Ramos has been... I love that no, so so many South Africans didn't know about Ramos. And not that they didn't know about him in that they'd never heard of him. They just didn't know he was that good. I was having a chat with a few mm. guys before the uh, Six Nations. And they were like, Jelly Bear, he's got, to, he's got to start. I'm like, he's not starting ahead of Intermark. They're like, well, then he must play for fee. And I'm like, there is no ways. He's got even less chance of starting ahead of Ramos. That's how good and what sort of form Ramos is in. He's... Like you talk about Jared, Jared always talks about Intermark being a serial killer. Like he's just so cool, calm and collected and just glides through things. Ramos is very close. I've, when last did you see Intermark sprint? He doesn't, he doesn't sprint. He goes full <laughs> speed, but he's not sprinting. Like he's scanning and checking stuff out. And the same with Ramos. I mean, you've seen, you've seen um, DuPont sprint. You know what I mean? Like you've seen him rushed. I haven't yeah. seen Intermark and 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 Ramos rushed in a while. Yeah, look, I mean, that's not even mentioning their forwards. I think by Marchand, like, they've gone back to their best. They've been really good. They've obviously, they do the things in the scrums and in the lineouts, but they're also great in the loose, as always. The loose trios has lost Anthony Geelong, but Charles Olivon has been fantastic. Greg Aldridge looks back to his best again. You know, we've talked about pros as well. And then, I mean, Paul Willemsay obviously was injured for November. But he's come back in a good way. Taufi Fanua has been really good as well, just coming off the bench and making an impact. So, oh, yeah, quality depth, all over. Man. We know got depth. Yeah, we know. We know how good this team is going to be when we go into. Um, but we've been obviously the big stuff in September. Yeah, but we've been saying it for a while. Um, it, 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 France has for two years now has been a case of. Um, putting the right people in the right place because you've got so many good players. Mm. 
you, you've just got to make sure that you get that combo right. You've got to get that person in the right place. So if you if 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 Aldrit was your man, then you've got to make sure that the other people around are balancing him. If if it's not Aldrit, then who else? You know, if if it was not if it was Jalibert, then you've got to change other people around. But that's what it is. It's about he he has one of the toughest jobs because there are so many people that could play like if if you take the balance of the squad and the connection of the mm-hmm. squad, there's so many people that could start in that French side and do as good a job. It's all about the connection, the gut feel, the coaching, the 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 feel that happens with the other players around. It's it's hard. If 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 you think about that, there's no country currently that has that at the moment. France could honestly put another seven players into that starting lineup and be as good. If if the balance worked out, you know, it's it's incredible. Yeah, and we're, we're sort of picking at very small points about like what they can do and improve in their game. So that's just brilliant. Like even when we are saying that maybe their defense wasn't as strong as it could have been, like when you look at the tackle stats, they only missed you know like 101 tackles to the 820 that they made. So that's just about 90 percent. You know they near the top with like turnovers one and like turnovers and tackles, like they've been good with that sort of stuff and never mind all the attacking stats, which is, which are all obviously insane. So yeah, I mean, just the ability to make sure that, you know, when they have a tough game, like they did in Dublin, they're able to just manage the game enough to, you know, not sort of, to not let, you know, like what, what happened with Ireland is that Ireland basically just like just game managed them out of the game. Like they just have to be able to in, in, in a tough situation like that, which they will face in the World Cup probably, is just keep keep in the fight so that one of your quality players can do quality things. Or mm. just your team just being bulldozers and able to just generate like forward momentum with, you know, their carries can just do that. And I think they were sort of stuck in between trying to play a bit wider because there was it seems like from what I understand from like the French public that they were trying to go into a more sort of expansive, you know touchline to touchline game but they realized in the scotland and the england game you just need to go through the middle like that's where france are strong when those big forwards are carrying through the middle and getting that genera- generating momentum and then um they can then go wide once they suck everyone in. yeah so i think then we can oh yeah oh you want to say something sean no i was i'm just i'm just sitting back and looking at french rugby from a distance and just looking at it in, in awe. <laughs> the more the more you look, the scarier it becomes. <laughs> and they're playing at home. We don't want to talk about that. I do, and I don't, actually, very quickly, I don't think people are considering that in their predictions and all that sort of stuff. I mean, yes, the French fans can be very, like, visceral if, like, you're not playing well. But that is going to be such a big advantage. I, like, fans are saying that the box should want France in the quarterfinal rather than New Zealand. That's crazy to me. This Why would Japan, you want to face the home not, team? Yeah, it's Yo, not Japan. You don't want to face the home gonna, team in a in the knockout. And they're not exactly going to support you once you knock their team out either. It's not Japan. Yeah. But <laughs> the French, the French, the French, um, the French fans are are like they will they will kill you or they will die for you. <laughs> like, there's there's no middle ground. Like you, they will either be behind you one hundred percent of the way or they will tear up your passport. So. Yeah, we 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 just need to hope that they wobble somewhere along the line. Like if they lose to New Zealand in the opening game and then are 
play another shit game somewhere along the line. The fans will turn against him. That's the only hope anyone has against France. Yeah. So let's move then to the, the, the championship decider, which was the Ireland versus England game. Ireland won 26 points to 19 and that was 29 points to 16, sorry. And then just before we go into the review of the two teams, the Freddie Stewart red card, what are your thoughts? This is the, this has been the hardest one for me. Out of all the red cards and all the discussions, it's been the hardest one. And it's a red card. It's a red card by law. It's the right decision. It was never going to be anything else under the current law discussions and variations. What I do believe it'll bring in is when you talk about mitigation is you will talk about other things like, was he shaping to tackle? Because if you think about it, there was a moment, there was a, a, there was a moment when he was shaping to not tackle. He was shaping to usher as a 15. Then mm. there was an inside break or I can't remember, but there was something happening on the inside. Then he was shaping up to make a tackle. Then there was the knock-on. He was then shaping up differently to go to shape to get that ball or look at that ball. Once, once that ball is knocked on, you are not in that very, very milli, milli split second. You can't even measure that. Once that ball is knocked, you are instantly not thinking about tackling. Instantly. You are shaping differently. You're like, cool, what attacking mm -hmm. options do I have? Because I've got this opportunity. I've got a free-for-all. I've got a free go now. And then... This is all milliseconds. This is not even a second. This whole conversation that I'm having is not even a second of play. And then all of a sudden, he's got to look up. He's looking up and realize he's in a shit position. He's going to get hurt. Brace yourself. And that brace was just bad. It was bad. Like hip, elbow, everything smashed Keenan. It's a red card. We're trying to get rid of stuff like that. People are talking about what could he have done differently. The, 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 the cold hard truth is he got himself into a bad position, but I believe, mm. well, I'd love to look at the mitigation of how he got into that bad position, be considered more because of what happened leading up to it. Because he's gone mm. from shepherd, tackle, pickup, brace. And those are four different things. You, you shape In yourself. Like a second. Yes, you shape yourself. As a, as a person, as a player, you're shaping differently. You're taking in all these calculations. It's not like he was lining someone up to tackle the whole way. He wasn't, you know what I mean? If he was lining someone up to tackle the whole way and, and that kind of situation happened, he'd be like, cool, you got, you got mm. into a wrong position. So, you know, the fact, all the head contact and everything, and he got himself into a bad position and, and it just so happened... Like, I don't even think Keenan was in a better position than him. It's just Keenan was the one that came off second best, and therefore it was his fault. So, but I agree with the red card. I don't think he's going to get a long ban, though. Yeah. I think, yeah, you've summed it up perfectly there, Sean. I think that on the letter of the law, on the letter of the, the, the guideline, it, it's a red card. Jakob Paper and Mari Schoenke didn't really have much of a choice because he did, in all essence, tuck his shoulder in when he was bracing himself and he was upright and obviously Keenan felt the but full brunt of that. that's self-preservation. So that's already a red card. It's not yes, foul so play. I was going to just mention that. It's self-preservation. Like he, he's going he's gonna to have, have his intestines burst if it doesn't do that. Like, yeah. Be, because he's going to get a smash straight in the softest part of his body. 
So like you're always going to brace for contact and you're always going to look after yourself. And yeah, it's, it, th this will, this, the only good thing that will come out of this is that it will create, possibly it could only be a bad thing is it'll possibly give another layer. Like, you know, that whole thing, like, is this foul play? Yes, it's foul play. Cool. Mm. Right now, foul play has a whole different branch to the tree. What are we going to do? So yeah, that's. I think there's going to be another another branch added to this uh, red card tree, M mitigation tree. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess you could have. He like. I think paper, especially being a more experienced ref, the one criticism is that he could have maybe interpreted the mitigation factors to find a yellow, just to be like, look, game situation, reaction times, etc. But in terms of almost letter of the law, that's his hands are pretty much tied. But You'd expect that decision from a younger or less experienced ref. If but like Amish Kelly did that sort of decision, then I'd be like, fair enough. He's applying the letter of the law. Paper having, you know, like 50 or so test caps, you're like, oh, I guess you could have maybe used a bit more of your discretion there. Like, I know for a fact, like Wayne Barnes would have found that to be probably a penalty only, but at least a yellow because he looks for sort of those mitigating factors, which I guess is the balance of the things that you have to consider because if Ravi wants to be serious about these head contacts and yes, Keenan, I mean, suffered something quite serious with his head contact. Obviously didn't come back on the field. You have to be sure you have to be seen to be serious about these things, but you know, it doesn't mean that every head contact now has to be ruled in such a, uh, a strict manner. So it's a difficult if, balance. So I, if, I sympathize. If he, with if he hadn't have given, if he gave a yellow card, there'd be way more uproar and confusion though. That is, that mm. is the one thing I will say. We, we would then all be going, this game is broken. So mm. like in terms of all that, like he can't be faulted for the decision he made. World Rugby can turn around and go, we need to fix this. But if he then said that is a yellow card because totally off away from the laws, but my gut feel was that uh, this is a gray area and he can try and try and justify it somehow people it you it would cause way more cuck way more so mm. you're kind of between a rock and a hard place yeah and yeah i guess at the end of the day like you know you have to it's rather it's better rather to be strict and then to to especially for sort of the the, the health of the game when in doubt when in doubt stick to the law yeah, and then if if you're wrong, you at least can say I've applied the letter of the law. But yeah, then I guess it's just up to like the other like referee, like you know the referees, and like like you said, maybe making changes to the to the steps in the protocol to go. Okay, maybe let's add in this factor and all that sort of stuff. But mm. I think the one thing is that's gonna be clear is that I I'm 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 sure that World Rugby is gonna say quietly to their refs that in the knockouts. Things like that, you just let go. You only do like a red card for like Varmina, like <laughs> slinging his elbow into Aaron Wainwright's face and the, those sort of incidents. So I can imagine that for the for the World Cup, because everyone's so falsely, but everyone's so concerned about the quality of the game. But I can imagine the knockout games, there'll be like a, a, a quiet protocol amongst the refs that things like that, just give it a yellow. Yeah. But what is a thing like that? This is a very, very, that's, very, yeah, that's, very that's unique a very good situation. Question. 
this is very unique. Like yeah. this, this is almost the exception because we've never, we've never been iffy and butty. I, uh, I, the rugby bits crew as a whole are are pretty are pretty behind like uh, head contact red card stuff. We've mm. never and I know and I mean you you are the swing vote. We discussed this prior prior to the <laughs> podcast kicking off. Like there's fifty percent of us here and you being the host of the swing vote. But we've never ever been in a in a gray area space. Like this is the first time we've ever been in a gray area. Like it's always been very simple for us. Like you might not have liked it, but this this and this red card. This is the only yeah. one. So Which I think I, re, like changing and retweaking everything would probably not be ideal or saying like this sort of stuff. Mm. You don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to throw extra gray, gray area into the law book now. Not, not a chance, but I don't think we'll see an incident like this for a very long time still. Very long. Yeah. But then apart from that, I mean, I think maybe just going into a bit of a, let's maybe start with England before we go to the champions, just starting a review on sort of their tournament as a whole and everything. Look, I think with England, it's sort of the other side of the coin of what you're speaking about with Wales. I think England sort of showed there that this has probably been like a five and a half, six out of 10 type of tournament. Because when they do play at this level that they did on Saturday, they're at the very least able to be competitive. Um, in, in games against the best teams in the world. Like it was just so good seeing England being aggressive in defense, like having like line speed in their rush defense. Jack Willis had an amazing game, just disrupting everything in each and every ruck. Their kicking game is probably the only world-class thing that they can do at the moment. And with Farrell and Slade and Stewart, they can really just kick teams down into their half and they force the Irish to make some mistakes in their kicking game as well. And, you know, they've got them all and, I mean, their set piece isn't the best in the world, but they've got enough of those sort of ingredients to at least give give themselves a chance in those games. So, yeah, I would probably say on the basis of, you know, them really coming back into it with, with this game against Ireland, you can't really rub out the, the France game, of course, but if it was, if, 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 if we didn't consider the France game, if we just looked at the four games, I think you'd say, okay, there's a general path of growth, but, um, from game one to game four for, 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 for England. But obviously the France game just muddies each and everything up. But yeah, I think, Sean, I think if England wants to be successful in the future, especially in the immediate future for the World Cup, this, the way that they played on Saturday and the team that they had, you know, with Farrell at 10, with one of either Tulagi or, or Slade at, I mean, Tulagi or Lawrence at 12, Slade at 13 as a second playmaker, he played a lot better than he did last time. That's the sort of team that they need to to get. It's not just about the the finer details of getting laws and curry in, maybe even thinking of getting Vinipola, Billy Vinipola in at eight, um, although Dombran had a pretty decent game. Like they can then have a chance to be able to be competitive. Because, you know, for the likes of England and Wales, Australia and Argentina, like there's a good chance of getting yourselves to a semi-final for World Cup because of the draw. And then, you know, anything can happen from there. So if you can sort yourselves out, and even if it's if it means you're playing a very limited conservative game, do that so that you can give yourself a chance to, you know, make you know the last four of a World Cup. Yeah, I'm I'm giving England a four. I'm <laughs> I'm giving them a four, and I mean we all know that I'm I'm relatively pro England. Like I don't hate them or think they they 
completely cuck. And I'm not saying this out of spite. I just think with everything that happened with, with getting a new coach in and everything, they were expecting a lot more. And it wasn't like there was mm. a little bit of continuity there. There was continuity from a coaching point of view in a, in a very small way, but there was a bit of continuity there and there was continuity in the squad. Now, this squad, this squad is capable of winning the Six Nations. Perhaps not against this Irish side, but you, we all know what these guys are capable of and they're just not clicking at the moment. I, I'm going to, I, and I know I spoke to you guys about it, but I, I want to see Anthony Watson at 15. Um, it's really hard. Mm. It's really hard because Stewart is, is so solid under the high ball, but he is the most, he is a run of the mill 15 in that he's, oh, I'm, we're going to get abuse here from the English fans. But I think he's a very vanilla 15 in that he is very good under the high ball, but everything else he runs, if there was a book on what line, uh, lines a 15 should run and where he should be positioned and what position is different, different story, but the lines he run and what he does and what he forces the defense to do, he, uh, he would be that book. He's very, he's Zane Kirshner. Remember, Zane Kirshner was incredible, but Zane Kirshner would run, a, he would get clattered a lot because he would just run a regular line. He, you know, he offered, Zane Kirshner offered a lot more with ball in hand than Freddie Stewart does. I'd like to see him possibly play on the wing and he, you can use his size more. But if you look at what Watson did covering at 15, like he was beating defenders. He had an incredible game. Now, what that'll also do is it'll allow you to potentially drop Slade and then you can have Tui Luggy and Lawrence in the midfield. Now, there's something I'd like to see because whether it's Farrell starting at 10 or it's Smith starting at 10, if you've got that midfield and then you've got Watson behind you, you've got options for days. And that's, I might be being a bit harsh on Stuart, but I think the fact that he's there is because he's so incredible under the high ball. He positions so well on defense and he's a solid human being. But I don't think he offers that much more on attack. And that's where England have been struggling. I would, uh, I'd be using a guy of that size when, when they didn't have Tui Luggy and they were struggling when they had Smith, Farrell, and I can't remember who was playing 13, was Slade. When they were lacking that go forward guy, how the hell were they not using Stewart? You know what I mean? Mm. And I'm just so th that's what they need to change. I'd like to see Tuilagi and Lawrence in the midfield. Um, I'm just a bit worried what they'll lose with that defensive general and and what happens. But Slade has been Slade organized as well, but he hasn't been executing so well on his own. And and yeah, so that's what I I would like to see, and that's why I'm giving them a. I'm giving them a, a, a four. There's, there's so much more that can happen. They've got injuries. There's, there's vital like leadership players that are missing out. But they, they, Don Brunt, you're right, did have a good game. And I looked at his numbers from last week when, when I had a go at him and a lot of people had a go at him. But he, he wasn't, his numbers were good. He got through a lot of work last week. They're missing the balance somewhere. Ludlam and Willis have been incredible this whole tournament. They really have. They, they Ludlam one game maybe went a little bit quiet and that's when they were struggling with a few things, but it was more of the, the, the focus at eight and ribbons, big carrier. They need a big carrier. They, 
they're in for some interesting decisions that need to be made at uh, in the loose trio when 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 guys return back to fitness like Laws and Curry. Um, when they when they think about Billy Bunapola again, what's the story with Marcus Smith? For me personally, I, I'm happy for him to sit on the bench. Like perhaps for the rest of 2023, he can be on the bench and come on. He didn't even come on on the weekend, I don't think. So there is opportunity for him to come on. Um, Marchant, I thought should have come on earlier in the game, just because he covers midfield and wing. I thought he would have been a better shot to come on a little bit earlier, especially having lost your 15, and then it would have allowed all the guys, all the players, to kind of just kind of play free whatever position you're in, you fill in that position. But yeah, so it's very interesting. Interesting times ahead. But they, I give them a four because there's so much work to be done, but there's no kind of direction. Like, I don't know what's going on. They've got the personnel. Mm-hmm. Like, this, this squad that they used in the Six Nations, those guys can go to the World Cup, like barring one or two, and, and, and perform. They just need to fix something. They need to fix it sharpish. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head with most things. I I I mean a few disagreements here and there, but not necessarily for like talking through them all now. But you know, I think maybe the lesson here for England and Wales is number one, don't maybe fire your coach till you over your of a World Cup because you just worst complicate decision things they could have further. ever made. That's a <laughs> worst decision. I I can't like for both teams, I can't imagine that Staying with Pivac, even though Pivac was a limited coach, and staying with Jones, even though they hated Jones, would have resulted in worse results than what they had. I think this this is a consequence of them trying to change things. Um, you just don't give you know Gatland and and Borthwick enough time to really try to implement things because Borthwick now tried to sort of change things with like maybe his ten and how they played. That obviously didn't work. So now you have to go really, really basic and simple, which is, I think, what England did well on Saturday was, okay, we're going to have like just a, almost like a template team of, you know, the hard carrying 12, the, 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 the 13 being a second playmaker, like a loose chair with a fetch at seven, and the fetch is going to be given four rights to go into every ruck and try to steal the ball with Willis. Like, that's what England tried to do on Saturday. And like even having even like more traditional wings with like, Watson and Arundel. So now the question is like, obviously that's not something that they can use to win a World Cup, but at the very least, can they work on it enough so that they can become a very hard team to beat? So I think that's that's the that's the main thing. Yeah, and I'm interested to see how it, how it works out. I think for late in the late in the year because they still have a, a, a few questions to answer and. They have to find sort of the balance of you know combinations and all that sort of, and and people that that play with each other because I think at least for example with Slade he didn't look good with Marcus Smith for whatever reason but this week with Farrell he looked great he was looping around he was creating stuff he was trying to sort of punch some holes into or at least create some holes for the Irish defense and you know but the not that they really threatened to score but at the very least they looked a lot more dynamic than they did last week and. It even got Jack von Porfleet going and the forwards were a bit more or a lot more accurate. So yeah, I think this is the game that Borthwick says or tells the team, this is the this is the foundation what we're gonna use for late in the year. And you guys still have to sort of do your part, but you guys have to maintain this sort of level of performance. But I think 
it's similar to what I said about Wales, or you can use what I said against about Wales to to the England team. Maybe this game is not a true reflection of where England is. Maybe France is a true reflection, but we'll have to see. I think there's a lot of questions that they need to answer about how they go forward um, with you know the different options that they have. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you want to add to that, Sean, or should we move on to the best players? No, no, no. We can move on. I mean, I guess we've covered what they need to work on. Everything, best players. Um, I, you know, I think best players. I think there's three nominations. Um, maybe you have more, but I think the top three is some order of Ellis Genge, Lewis Ludlam, and Freddie Stewart. I think those have been the three players that have shown at least, you know, a good level of quality throughout the tournament. Um, Although I think Otoje came back really well in the last two games against the best two sides. Oh, he's a big game player. Um, Willis was great in this last game. Um, Tulagi played really well now. Um, Watson is, has shown a bit of form now that he's back in the team. But I would probably... Um, I'd probably give it to Genj. I think just the fact that he's now the lead in the team. He has a similar role to Skuman in the, in the Scotland, Scotland team of being sort of their main ball carrier. And we know how good he is with that. And with the scrums, I mean, in, he pretty he just about did enough, I think, with his scrum, scrums. Like, you know, Genja's not going to be um, Stephen Kitzel with, in terms of his scrummaging. But, you know, he was, he, able to, he was able to keep himself out of trouble. Like, in scrum penalties conceded, there's only two that have been, you know, marked at Genja. Like, England had the lowest number of scrum penalties conceded. Um, in the tournament they just didn't have a good scrum so I think he did enough work there we know how good he is in the loose he's basically used as the he's used as like a traditional open side flank in terms of hunting down a fly half so he was hunting down Sexton and he was hunting down Russell in the first game against Scotland as well and the amount of work that he does for someone that is doing all the other work in the scrums and lineups that a prop does it's just incredible and he mm. was captain as well for a bit of time mm. so yeah i would give it to ellis Gage. okay i think owen farrell came so exceptionally close to getting the player the best player for england um he the backline works when he's there and yes uh, there was changes and stuff but he makes a difference and people around him play better when he plays there's no doubt about it there was issues in the beginning and he kicked he kicked poorly to poles, but in terms of playing, he was really dictating everything. That backline doesn't work unless he starts. And I'm starting to think that he should start at 10. So Owen Farrell, a very, very, very close second. But for me, the player that England could not have done without is Jack Willis. He has been huge. He's been huge. He's his comeback. They're just him and Ludlam together, the the balance, just the way that the two of them played, really good. Ludlam probably doesn't get it because he's been a little, not really been in the limelight. He's been really doing a lot of lot of other graft. He's been doing the shit work, but Jack Willis has been doing the shit work and making some epic turnovers. Jack Willis has been he's going to cause he's going to cause selection problems. He him specifically will cause selection problems when everyone's fit. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I think he'll go to the bench. But he's been he's been huge for them. Yeah, look, not a bad person to bring on with twenty minutes to go. Like, 
I think he almost played so well in the first. Francois yeah. Lowe vibes. I mean, he'll he, come in and he will make that I think turnover. He, yeah. Because I think he almost played too well in the first half because in the second half he did tire a little bit. And like I think that's almost the reason why he gave away that stupid yellow card near the end of the game. Hmm. So him playing for only 20 minutes, that's going to cause havoc. And obviously he's now playing with, you know, close to the best loose forwards you can play with in <laughs> Toulouse. So he'll get better and better now in the next few weeks or next few months. Hmm. Yeah, and then moving on to the champs. Look, I think there's a lot of... I think the nice... The, or the, the big thing with Ireland now is I think people are realizing that they're good at a lot of things. It's not just the attack. It's not just, you know, the Sexton loops. It's not just, you know, their kicking game. It's not just their defense, which has only conceded 10 tries, which is less than what the second best defense this year has conceded. So they have only conceded 10 tries in 2022 and 2023 combined. And Scotland, who are the second best defense, conceded 12 tries this year, which is insane. Oof. And they just have so much quality everywhere. Like Ireland, I'd probably give them almost a 10, but let's just say nine and a half, just so that they can have something to work on for the World Cup. I mean, Andy Farrell's already said that this team is not as good as it should be. Like they still have a lot of improvement to go, which is quite scary <laughs> if that is the case. Uh, I'm giving them a 10. Uh, they, they had, against, um, against England, that was the only time where they had a look in their face that they were thought, whoosh, we're in a bit of trouble. And it was very brief. It was very, very brief. Um, England worked them, and they were under pressure. But other than that, they weren't. They, they looked... From start to finish, they looked nailed on Grand Slam champs. Like, we all knew it. We were hoping France were going to turn up, but we all knew it. So it's 10 out of 10. They, they get a 10 for me. Just quickly, Sean, do you really think that England, like, tested them? Or do you think it was just a matter of, you know, similar to France last year, like, it is a bit nervy. It's, a, it's pretty much a final for all intents and purposes. And yeah, some mistakes early, a team, and obviously the opposition did try to do their best. But I didn't really think that Ireland were in any danger of losing that game. Or do you, did you see it differently? I didn't think... Uh, I, I think England made them think, think about it a lot longer than many other teams have. In, in that there is that moment, you know, you know when, they, when you run into the field, you're like, we've prepared, we've got this. And then when the whistle goes then the ball is kicked and then it's still nil nil, but no one's done anything. You haven't made your first tackle. You haven't, you know, you know, that, that period until, you know, you get in, you, mm. you get the machine rolling and then you're like, okay, cool. Like this is all what we've planned and how we've done it. And we go through it and, you know, we execute and we score and we win the game. But there's, there are periods in that game where you're like, you do that. And then the other team scores and you're like, oh shit. Then you start doubting something. They, uh, England made Ireland doubt longer or, deeper into the game than I've seen them for a while. I, I can't properly remember the French game, but I think, I think Ireland were so focused on beating France and they, everything was just so, like a metronome for them where England offered something else. That England offered that we don't know what we're going to get because they've been so shitty and so up and down and so much turmoil going on. And I think England made them think about it longer. And then they got that serial killer look on their face towards the end and then they just closed everything out 
they've got that momentum. They can they can draw on momentum from 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 weeks ago and pull through. You know, where England, England in this current situation, if England had just one moment of of something, they would have they they could have easily banded together as a group. And that, and that's why and that's why I'm saying that I think there was there was something there in their eyes. Yeah, I think I think it's just one of those like type of, and that's where I mean we talked about this last week in our last week's podcast about maybe with with um, with Roy, with Ria, I'm sorry about whether we should be scared about Ireland, but um, I think that's the thing with Ireland. They just look like they'll win. <laughs> they look like a team that yes. they'll sort of problem solve their way out of you know even the tough times. And you, when you think you about sort of their their CV, yes, yeah, you have. You have to you have to throw a bomb in the middle of them, a hand grenade, and disrupt them to beat them, <laughs> because otherwise they will just go. They they don't look for opportunity to score. They they need to. They are that that um the slow burn. They will just just go through that. Mo- okay, take the kickoff, set up the ruck, exit right next. Do do do, and that's that's what you need to disrupt because they. It's like. It's like when you run, when, when you're running, like when you run like 10 Ks or for those people, those crazy people that run like marathons and stuff, you disappear in your mind after a while, but you've trained so hard. You've, you've, you've gone through the motions, you know, what needs to happen, but you just disappear. Your mind turns off. That's where Ireland get to. Ireland are like that marathon runner where in the beginning you're thinking about stuff and then you just get into your rhythm and then poof, you're gone. So the more you can get them to think about stuff and not disappear into that, like that steamroll, that like like what robot mode, the the better. And you've got to disrupt them to to turn the robot to stop the robot from from coming. You know. Yeah, yeah, and it's also scary when a team has done that in many con like many different types of games. So, yes, you know, away yes, in New yes. Zealand. What a point. You know, it- Nations Grand Slam at home against the box. Like they've done, as, as, I mean, obviously we've had an interrupted four-year cycle with COVID and stuff, but they've done as much as you can do in this four-year cycle. So that's very scary. I mean, Sean, I don't know how, what we can find about things that they can work on, but let me, I'll ask you to have the first stab at that. Yeah. You, you bastard. You just, you just, you just <laughs> didn't have anything. You just didn't have anything. So you're like, yeah, it's cool. I'll go my backup here. I'll, um, I'll pause it to you. <laughs> what do they need to work on? Oh. They, I've got one. Okay. It's a then, small one. No, no, but please, please, maybe, Basically, maybe it'll help grow other thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I just think they still respect certain players too much. Like, I don't know if it's like a mental block that they have against like Pacifica, Pacific Islands players that are massive, but. Like on Saturday, yes, too, like you had a good game, of course. But I think they still respect him too much. Like they, there's one run in the first half where they, like the back line almost stood off knowing that Tulag is about to get the ball. And I'm like, no, man, just, just go for him. Like you've got really good defenders and tacklers in your team. Like don't sort of fall back in those situations. And they did the same with Will Skelton last year against the Wallabies where Skelton then just broke like 10 tackles in like 10 minutes because you know, there's almost like a mental block that they have from like those past like Leinster versus Saracens like finals or Leinster versus La Rochelle finals. So 
I don't know what they need to do about that, but they really need to work on, you know, maybe Bundy Aki needs to like, I don't know, have a session with them and just be like, look, these people also bleed. They'll also go down if you tackle them low. It might just mean that two, two or three of us have to tackle them low as well. But do you, yeah, do you know a, why? Like do you know why they thing. have that respect and that fear for Pacific Islanders? It's because of exactly it your reason. It's because of Bandiaki, Aki. He. <laughs> it's because of him at training. You're like, yeah, let's bring him in, and we'll show you that they bleed. And bosh, he just smashes people to pieces. He was he was a beast. He was a beast this weekend. Mm, mm, mm. He was absolutely brilliant. Like, and I mean, we had that talk a few weeks ago. Aki, um, McCloskey, Aki looks like he's falling off, but no, he's definitely sewn up that place in the World Cup squad. Like, he's a necessity for their team. Like, he just Aki brings a, a big point of difference. That's your midfield for the. That's your midfield squad. Yeah. Do you, and unless there's maybe, an injury, maybe McCloskey play. Yeah, maybe McCloskey can moonlight at wing um, for Alston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, months. he's a twelve. He is a through and through twelve. <laughs> Aki can play 13. I know I know everyone is like, no, he was shit. He wasn't that bad. Do you do you, the the game that Ringrose um got knocked out in, he he had yeah, he, he missed like seven tackles that game. No one was talking about that. Like uh, yeah. Henshaw, Aki can both play 12 or 13. Ringrose could he's good enough to play 12 if you need him, I'm sure. Um, but yeah. Their midfield is sorted, the squad. Look, yeah, very quickly on the ring roast thing. Some missed tackles are more equal than others, if I can put it like that. Like, yeah. not all missed tackles are bad missed tackles. Yep. Did you, have you worked out something to, for Ireland to improve on? No. No. <laughs> I mean, fair. No. Oh, you know, there's another one, the scrum. Porter is scrumming so skew. Like he he's gonna concede penalties with the right We've been talking. I don't know why. We've been talking about this for since the last Six Nations. Like, I don't so know. I don't know. Am I not seeing it right, or am I am I wrong, or we wrong, or what's the story? <laughs> it doesn't get pinged. And in every time they go on that flippin' spider cam. It's everyone scrumming straight and Porter scrumming to the touchline. Like, I don't get what I'm missing and I don't get if it's something that maybe, yeah, like a BJ Boat or someone would explain to us nicely. Like, because the flank, it's the flank clear can, that he has an issue. Yeah, the flanker can almost slip in between, um, between the hooker and him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, imagine. No, no. Yeah, I'd, actually, it's great for you to ask BJ to, to maybe we'll just hit him up on Twitter and see what he says. Mm. it's weird weird um yeah i don't know how they fix it though because i mean ken healy isn't near his best anymore i mean there was that game against cardiff i think it was meant for cardiff mouth. where cardiff he can play anywhere he can play at 10 <sighs> <laughs> but do you remember that game with i think it was healy and alatoa that were in the front row and they literally got like they were in the air like it was so bad how they're being scrammed <laughs> Um, they're being pushed that. over. Listen, he's I'll a massive, massive human being. To get him in the air, that's mm. an impressive work. He's a beast. So, yeah, I don't know what they do about loose head, but they, I, I'm just worried for Ireland that there's going to be a day and it might be a knockout game where the ref decides, actually, or yes. like, obviously we know how coaches 
speak to like refs before the game. So obviously yeah. I can imagine like the, like Don Human has like all these clips for the referee for Ireland versus South Africa is going to be like, look at this, look at this, look at this, look yes. at this. And that's then exactly, what's going to happen that's going to be the undoing. That's going to be it when they don't have a scrum anymore or a platform. Yeah. Hopefully how, then, on, yeah. The, on the topic of props, how good has Tom O'Toole been? Can we talk about him? He's been great. Surprisingly Flipper. so. Like Out of nowhere. Yeah. You would... Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure all of us thought after, like, with Furlong out, like, Bielem, I mean, he's fine, but, you know, not the best person, not the best tight end in the world. And now, Tom O'Toole, who's had to play some serious minutes in some of these games, when both Bielem or and Furlong have been out, he's been great. And he's a great ball carrier as well. So, yeah, I didn't see this coming. I didn't... Like, I mean, yes, he plays for Ulster, right? If I'm not mistaken. Whew. I actually don't know. I'll find out for you for in a sec, but I think he does. I'm almost, uh, I'm very sure. I think he does. But yes, yeah, he does. Like he does. He, my, my apologies. Yeah, he's he never. He's actually only been at Ulster Ulster. since 2018. Yeah. And he's never looked that good for Ulster. Like, the games I've watched Ulster, and I, I watch Ulster probably more than other Ireland teams. Like, the Ulster scrum hasn't necessarily been, like, dominant. So I'm pleasantly surprised that it looks as good as it does with, with but um, that he, he looks as good as he does in the team. Yeah. He, he's coming to test rugby. He's coming to this Irish side. It's not a regular side. He's coming to this Irish mm. side. And he has very, very quietly said, I am going to be one of your first choice, one of your start um, match day 23 props. And... Before, Brilliant. I was like, yes, this is what's going on. Uh, is this the right call? Are they a bit thin there? And then he's played, and you're like, okay, well, they had a good game. Well done. And then he's gone again. And now he, he could probably start. The thing is, he just doesn't do anything else. Like, and it's not a bad thing. Like, he's not a Genge. He's not a Sinclair. He just goes there, and he scrums. He does his job. He fills in these positions around the park, doing what he needs to do, gets about his job, goes home, you know? I reckon he's the kind of guy that at the end of the game and have a shower, just half five someone on the way out, goes goes home and has dinner with the wife, you know? You know what I mean? Like he's just so very yeah. unassuming. But he's brilliant. Very he's incredible. Yeah. Look, I mean, to be fair to him, I think he's had some good like um like moments with the ball as well. Like, especially in that France game when he came on for Bielem. Like he was carrying he made some big carries there. So I don't know if maybe Ireland does, like we talked about last week, they have like 24-hour day, 25-hour days. But it seems like his carrying has improved a ton, like when he's playing for Ireland. I just see here that he's also 24 or turning 25 this year. So what? that's great for Ireland. Like he's going to be, he's going to be someone that's going to be in that team for long because obviously Todd Furlong is man. getting up there in age. So And besides, I just prop, Furlong to 10. Like getting their prime in their, or twelve, if he if he wants to, and yeah, probably get into their prime ones. The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sean. Actually, just to bring you back on that, you said Sexton's lost Six Nations. Are you sure? Yeah, I don't think it's official, <laughs> but I think uh, yeah, I think it's done. I think that's it. Yeah, if Ireland loses this World Cup, he's going to twenty twenty seven. You've heard it here first. Yeah. What as a coach? No. No, player coach. Who will sub himself on at 10. 
Imagine. After one you, of the You know that coach is like, this him. shit's not working. I'm coming on. I'll show you. <laughs> 1,000%. Yeah. There's no ways. Sean, probably almost as tough as trying to decide what Ireland can work on is deciding who should be player of the tournament for them, which probably be player of the tournament for the whole thing. Oh, I'm going to be such a douchebag here. Uh, Andy Farrell. Andy Farrell, my cat. I, I did not I can't expect pick, that. <laughs> I can't. I can't pick a player. Andy Farrell's been. Uh, he uh, he's building something. He's and can we talk about my cat? That that man, South Africans, like we stopped even referring to him as as Safas abroad because, or just because. But this island <laughs> attack, and everything, my cat. That's that's who's been doing it. Him him and the other assistant coach. I can't remember right now. Like, my cat is responsible for all that stuff that we're seeing. Can you mm. believe it? Anyway. Right. Um, I, I, still, I still can't move away um, from Hugo Keenan. I, Matt, Mac Hansen, two man of the match performances. Brilliant. Hugo Keenan has been... There, there, was a, there was a spot at 15 that they struggled to fill, and, and I think that's... You know, it's it's him. The other player is Johnny Sexton, but I think Johnny Sexton is probably he's probably like the Antoine Dupont. Like we'll just talk about who was second best. Hugo Keenan has been has been outstanding. Bundy Aki for me is is the one, but he hasn't played enough games. But I would I would have him in my starting lineup, whether it was twelve or thirteen any day of the week. Dan Sheehan also missed a couple of games. He's been outstanding. Um, but yeah, Hugo Keenan. But it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. So much that I have to now, like, pull you out and say, no mention of Kaylin Doris? Or Shit Josh Van der Fleer? Or do James you know, Ryan? Do you know? So, I need to find it. But they've announced the, um, the shortlist for player of the tournament. Player of the tournament. And I was Kaylin just about Doris, to go through it. Kaylin Doris is not there. He is there. Oh, no, he is. I'm sorry. Ryan, James Ryan is not there. Sure. Yes. The other scum capped um, player for them. So the player of the tournament nominees just released as we're recording. For Ireland, it's Kaylin Doris, Hugo Keenan, and Mac Hansen. And then for France, it's Antoine Dupont, which at this point, you should just call it the Antoine Dupont Six Nations <laughs> Player of the Tournament Award. <laughs> so it's Antoine Dupont, Thomas Ramos, and Damien Pinot. No. You know, like, Fair enough, I don't, I, I don't guess. Think, yeah, I suppose. Who did, I don't who think did I pick for France? There, who did we pick for France? Fiku. How is he not in this? <laughs> what? Yeah, or even um, Flamont. Yes, they've been, everyone, the commentators, everyone has been singing his praises the whole time. No, man. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, yeah. What a load of cuck. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gelfiku deserves to be there, man. Oh, yeah. There's only one forward. Mate. Oh, yeah. Don't even get me started on that. Justice for the props, man. Justice for the props. One, one day we'll get our turn. <laughs> um, 
I think this is a good transition now for our team of the tournament. So I will, we can sort of alternate in terms of I'll allow you to convince me for this position and sort of vice versa. You will allow but me. <laughs> I am the ultimate deciding vote. You are. You are. I, think I have to influence you positively. Let's see if we can hopefully get some agreement, agreement on these things. So let's start, because we're not going to do that rubbish of 15, 8, 15, 9, 1, and 8. We are the, South the, Africans, the and we will go 1 to 15. <laughs> Okay, so Lucid props. I mean, for options, you have Andrew Porter, Ellis Genge, Cyril Bai, Danilo Fischetti, Pierre Skuman, Wynn Jones, I guess. So which one do you Skuman. want to choose? Skuman. Oh, okay. Did not expect that. But He's I mean, I guess, yeah, like we talked about earlier. He's been the most hmm. consistent. To be fair, Porter as well. The two most consistent have been Skuman and Porter, I reckon. Yeah, I think that does. Um, the literally the other two are probably the ones that I would probably um punt for. That, that okay. does maybe. I think Fischetti has been really good. He's, Obviously, he's been probably near the best for Italy. And um, we need we need and representation. Then by, I think it's been really good. Yeah, yeah, but maybe let's. I think I've got the representative for Italy later, so I'm happy to go. Should we go Skuman, start, and put off the bench? Cool. I'll take that. I'll take that. Those are both mine. I'll absolutely take that. <laughs> but I'll, yeah, I'll come back in a bad way in the, in the rest of the rest of the picks. Yeah, I'm but, scared you're going to yeah, give me all the I ones think... now and then overrule me later when I'm fighting really hard. <laughs> I must be careful. Yeah, this is tactics. Yeah. This is a 15-man game, this. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think the one thing with Porter that's a big negative is most penalties conceded um in overall um in the in the in the Six Nations. Fischetti has the most penalties conceded by um in the scrums. So I guess those are two negative marks on them. But yeah, obviously Porter's been the one constant in that Irish um front row. He played, I think, 80 minutes in the Scotland game and 75 or something like that in the in the in the yeah. England game. So He's been amazing. Hooker, I think it's a bit muddled because Sheehan and Kelleher haven't been able to play, but you still have Julian Marchand, you still have Nicotera, um, you have George Turner. You can maybe argue Jamie George, but he hasn't been as good. But yeah, Sean, who, who are you say there? Marchand definitely starts and Sheehan on the bench. Sheehan, Sheehan that kid, he is going to be incredible. I said it months ago. And he's just so good, man. So I'll put him on the bench. Should we have a, um, like, what do you call it? Like a, a requirement for games played? Because Sheehan, I think, has only played two or three. Just want to double check that. But yeah, should we have a requirement for that? I think, I think we probably should. Because otherwise I'm going to fight hard for Bundy. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So okay, I'll go Julian Marchand is is my is my choice. And then you can if your choice isn't his, then we can decide who starts and who benches. Maybe that's also the fairest. Yeah. So Sheehan has played basically three games. So well, one the one game he got off very early because of an injury. Um so yeah, I think then that opens up at least some representation. So step in, um Nicotera, you can come into the to the team now. Um, but yeah, I think he's obviously been really good himself. 
Don't think there's too many complaints there. Sheehan just falling out because of games played. Tight end is a mess because <laughs> Furlong wasn't playing for long. Antonio was obviously suspended as well. Yeah, Sinclair hasn't been good, I think, in my opinion. You have Sander Ferguson, you have Simone um, Ferrari, who's been rotated with um, Riccioni as well. Wales has just gone into a lucky packet with who they're picking at <laughs> in, in their team. So, yeah, I think it's basically between Ferrari and um, Ferguson. I, I Unless you maybe want to go Falatea. No, I, I, I actually, th- I'm, I'm with you on that. I think it's, I think it's between Ferrari and Ferguson. Ferguson probably so, slightly edges him, but, but I think those are, those are our guys. Okay, so Ferrari off the bench, maybe Falatea, I guess, because he did play all five games off the bench, but oh. played all five games. And we were calling for impact. him to start at one stage as well, eh? Mm. So maybe he can be the bench prop for Ferguson. Okay. Sorry, Italy. You're okay, so goodbye. <laughs> and then, so the locks, I think it's going to be quite easy. I think I'm going to propose Thibaut Flamont and James Ryan. Anyone yes. else? No, I'm happy with that. Okay. Oh, on the bench, I guess we now have more than enough Italians um, in the team, or at least at least some Italians. So I was going to say Federico Ruza, but or should we still go for him? I'm I'm telling you now, I, I'd love to have Ryan Baird on the bench. Oh, he was good on Saturday. He's, Jeez. He's he's only reason why he's n- <laughs> such this is such a state the obvious statement, Sean. Damn it. The only reason why he's not starting is because there's better players ahead of him. <laughs> Obviously. Um, but that's the analysis it, you come for. I know. That's that's why you're here. That's that's like that's like our, <laughs> our, our Irish friends across the ditch. Like you only win a game if you score more if you score more points than the other team. Like that's that's <laughs> that's where it is. But Ryan Baird, uh, I think he he would be starting for this Irish side in a in another in another time. I think he's really good. Mm. But yeah, I would still. I'd, I'd, I think he's obviously not played enough, so I think it's probably between Ruza and. Um, and um, Adam Beard, unless you want to maybe put in someone like Chesham and Itoje and Richie Gray and those sort of players as well. Probably, probably Adam Beard. Okay, it's at least for a representation sake. Well, yes, yes, Adam Beard. Bit of Welsh love. Because there will not be any other. I'm not even going to mention the other Welsh options from now on <laughs> until maybe Falatau. <laughs> so, <laughs> loose shows, I think. I'm going to propose a loose trio and then we can see how we go from there. I'm going to cheat a little bit because I can, because we haven't really had, um, you know, number sixes, except for Sebastian Negri. I think he's been by far and away the best real number six and the others haven't really played as much. Maybe Crow would propose would be like the, the other, only other option, but I would propose Charles Olivon at six. Number seven, Josh van der Fleer. Number eight, Kalen Doris. What do you think? Oh, jeez, that's good. I really wanted to try and squeeze Jack Willis in there, but it's really... Oh, yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be tough know, to put him into that club, eh? It, it, it will be. He deserves a mention, and the other person that deserves a mention at eight is Kanone. I really think he's been good. Mm. I, think he's, I think he's class. Um, but, like, 
to be very honest with you, you you cannot fault that loose chair. No one you could argue maybe here and there, but it's you can't like dead certain fight it out and convince someone otherwise, you know. So good shout. Yeah. Would I I'm willing to maybe loosen the games played thing for maybe the No, 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 let's not let's not let's no, not no, keep it break as on is. our principles. <laughs> yeah. But on the bench, would you go Willis? Would you go Nicotero? Oh, not Nicotero, sorry. Um, uh, Negri, would you go Canone? Would you go Palatau, like we discussed earlier? Would you go Richie or, or Dempsey? I mean, there's oh. still even French and Irish options. You still have Pito Mani as an option. Um, oh, Gregory Aldrich, Francois Crow. Like, like, there's so many players you can choose from, probably. So Peter Mahoney covers four as well. So he's in with a shot. I'd love to have Willis and Dempsey in the mix. Um, We're not doing um, a 6-2, so that's out. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for stipulating. Oh, man. I just, I'm going to say just, and you can overrule, but uh, Jack Dempsey, I'd love to see him. I think he's class. I, I still think he's in, run, in the running for the, for the breakthrough play of the Six Nations because it's his first ever Six Nations. <laughs> I would love yeah, that. Let's, That's let's all ignore, I want. That's all I want. Let's ignore his international games for Australia. Yes, he's the breakthrough player of the Six Nations. No, but he, he um, hasn't played Six Nations before. So he's in line for breakthrough I, player of the year. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think Dempsey's a good shout. Yeah, I think that's maybe the best of both oh, worlds. Yes, man. A bit more, a, a bit more Scottish love. But uh, let me think about it. Maybe I, I have a no, no. Actually, not. I think Sebastian Negri should be in there. Oh. Sorry, Jack. It's close. <laughs> it was so close. <laughs> okay, as high take out Dempsey's name. Number nine. <laughs> I don't think there'll be too much debate about that. But it's we don't even need to go through the options. It's Honorable mention, 10, which Connor Murray. I I was gonna say for the bench, I think it should be Connor Murray. Honorable mention. He 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 basically gave everyone the middle finger. Every Irish fan, because not mm. every, but most of them, the majority of what I saw on social media, which is obviously not the truth. Yeah, but the majority was like, no, that's a bad mistake. And then he went on and just said, "Screw you, I'll show you." Yeah, no, he was amazing. I think Ben White also can get sure. an honorable mention here. Yes, yes. Now there's, there's someone I still, who's got no anything behind him and he just went and said, cool, I'm going to play this test match stuff and I'm going to show you how to do it. Very good. <laughs> yeah. I still don't think he's necessarily the best technical scrum off in the world, but in terms yes. of getting an attack going, he's brilliant. And you can see that London Irish influence in him very strongly uh, moving through him. Shout out shame to um I say ach shame before that. But um Reese Webb had obviously a great game against Italy and Jack von Portfleet was actually not too bad against um Ireland this weekend. Von Portfleet was too up and down and that's got everything to do with what's happening in England and what we highlighted. I thought Reese Webb, I mm. loved his post match. He he yes he, he had a flipping good game and he just basically his post match after we got mad in the match, and he was just like, "Listen, I just needed to be ready, so when it happened, I delivered." He's 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 mm -hmm. a good player. He's a bloody good player. So number ten, we are moving to Jonathan Sexton and Sexton only. 
So we're fighting out for the bench, and that's intimate for me. I'm going to propose something, but I'll propose a little bit later. Let's move to the rest of the team, and then I'll propose my solution for the bench. In the centers, I want to keep you a a bit of suspense. In the (laughs) midfield, I think there's a lot of options here. So we've talked about Bandiaki, we've talked about Gary Ringrose, Gail Fiku, Jonathan Dante probably doesn't have enough games, Hupelo too, you know, as individuals or as a combination as well. Um, Oli Lawrence can get a bit of a shout here. Uh, Menoncello's been good. Brex has been obviously really good there, 13 for Italy. <sighs> Sean, I don't know how, yeah, it's it's a difficult one. I think there's many right answers here, but yeah, what, what's, what's your thinking here? The only right answer is Gael Fiku starts. So you can put him at 13. <laughs> if Bundy Aki has played enough games to qualify, I know he played at 13 in the one game, but I'd start him at 12. There, there are so many options, and and I'll, my my call would be Bundy, Aki at twelve, and Galfiku at thirteen. And my word, that will be destructive. Okay, I'm trying to think now if there's anyone that we're missing. Sion two below two, Hugh Jones. Any for their thoughts? What uh, don't they make the team? Fiku at thirteen. There's so you can decide about twelve. <laughs> you can decide about twelve if you want, but. I'm a yeah. I don't. Uh, if I if you had to give me the option now of e- either Fiku or Hugh Jones, I'd pick Fiku. Okay, let me do this. I think let's give some Scottish love to two below two. No, 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 no. Ah, screw them. It's fine. Let's put Bandiaki there. Yes. Boom! <laughs> what a midfield. Oh, imagine. Imagine, like, if you just had to look at this week's Bundy versus tournaments uh, Fiku, those two together, yes, that would be, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And then let's move to the back three. I personally don't think we need to move away from the Irish back three. I think that gives you enough, you know, try scoring ability, running ability, defense, kicking, attack, all the things that you need from a back three is Lowe, Hansen, and Keenan. Yeah. I'm trying to think now. I mean, I the thinking... French back three would have a, a thing to say about that, but yeah. Uh, uh, the, only, the only issue I have is, so I'd like to see Ramos at 15. But yeah, so it is Ramos, a, Ramos a was personal my... choice. It's a, it's a coin flip. Like, do you like BMW or do you like Mercedes-Benz? They're both exactly the same, (laughs) same performance, same everything. It's just what do you prefer? And I think that's this case between Keenan and Ramos. So Ramos is my ace in the pack of, like, reserve fly slash fallback. So if you put him in your bench, you can cover those options. Then, unfortunately, Roman Tamak, Finn Russell, et cetera, et cetera, you won't be able to get into the team. And then your 23 can then be like a, either a midfielder or a winger. So you can then maybe say Penno or Hugh Jones or Tupelo 2, whatever you want, whatever, whatever the case may be there. Marchant at 23? <laughs> Just to really screw No me. man, short. <laughs> <laughs> okay, re- read, me, read me this backline bench. Read me, read me your, I, so at nine? We, the we bench. Got, we've got Conor Murray at nine. At 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 um, yes. twenty one, 
At 22, we're going to have okay. to pick between Finn Russell, Thomas Ramos, and... And Tamak. Oh, and Tamak for me. And I mean, you can't... I mean, you can't... I mean, can we not select the, the highest point scorer in the tournament? I don't think so. He's just unfortunate that Hugo Keenan also plays in this position. So, we so start, I would say Ramos we, has to be in this 23 somewhere. Yes. So yes. So you start Keenan and you bench Ramos or you bench, or you start Ramos and bench Keenan. That can be an on-the-day gut mm. feel by the coach, the head coach. <laughs> but yes, they both have to be there, I agree. So you can decide who starts and who benches. A little bit of, uh, a little bit of then, balance would have well, starting Ramos with Sexton playing would be quite interesting to see, but then you don't need another kicker. So, and yeah. then when Intermark comes so Ramos in, can come Ramos. on. Yeah, go with go with the pair, the and pair, num- the pairing. Yeah, and then number twenty three, player twenty three is I guess up for whatever you want to do. You can, you know, also players like Duan van der Merwe can be in this consideration as well. Uh, How have we not spoken about Jones Duan. and Tupelo too? I, I suppose it's because uh, because he had one poor showing. But to be fair, so did Lowe. Like, Duan could be in with a shot to start at 11, eh? Mm, I mean, yeah. I guess it's a preference Anything, thing. I think yeah, I prefer... Low kicks. That's all. I, I mean, that's not all. No, I'm <laughs> sorry. I mean, that's all that's different is what I'm saying, is that you're picking him above... Oh, okay. You're picking him above Funamaba because he kicks. But when you've got... Who are we starting yeah. at 15? Well, Keenan... Possibly and Ramos at twenty two. Uh, I thought Ramos was at twenty three. Well, one and of one of the two bench options. Ntumak at twenty two and Ramos at twenty three. I tell you, and low. I I on his current form and his current destructiveness. I think Duan Fanamava would be a great shot to stop. You don't need to kick the ball when you run like that. <laughs> So what about Ramos and Duan on the bench? And Intermark doesn't even get a look in. No. Uh, sorry, sorry, Monami, but he has to up his game for next year. I, I, I'm sorry, but I would rather I'd rather Intermark at 22 than Ramos, and Ramos misses out. Jeez, imagine being a coach and having to make these decisions. <laughs> okay. You're the swing vote, so you have to make this decision. Okay. Look, I'm fine with that, but I I think just to go back, I think then maybe our friend, our our Pacific friend, Bandiaki, should fall out for two. No, two. No. Just so that we can have some. (laughs) No. Okay. Okay. So my. Let it it be noted that I tried. My. I was actually going to say it and I didn't, but my, um, I, I'm just having Bundy, Aki, and Galfiku at 12 13 is enough for me. I'm, I'm happy to concede at everything else. So you, you get to make those <laughs> other decisions now. Have you? Okay. You've put Ramos at 22 and Intermark at 23. Does it matter? Or do, no, it doesn't matter. You put both of them. So Duan misses out, eh? Most okay, so here's beaten. the team as it stands. Okay. Team as it stands is Skuman, Marchand, Ferguson, 
Flamand Ryan, Olivon van der Fleer Doris, Dupont Sexton, Lowe, Aki Fiku, Hansen and Keenan. And in the bench is Nicotera, Porter, Falatea, Beard, Negri, Murray, Ramos, and Intermuck. Nice. Uh, Not a bad uh, team. If 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 anyone, I think Duan probably is, is the is the is the touch and go. He's probably the only player that really has a shot for being in there that's missed out. Actually. Or maybe not. Now that I say it, the rest yeah. in peace mentions Bosch. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's nice. I like that. We can work with that. Yeah, I definitely think Scott, Scottish people will be like, where's you below to? So <laughs> I think that will be the biggest reply. So good. It's good for engagements. They can then listen to the podcast. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Thanks, man. But yeah, I think that is a good play or team of the tournament. And I think we can wrap it up on this note. Um, yeah, Sean, thank you. First of all, this is a bumper <laughs> episode of the Rugby Bits podcast. It can hold people over until the, until the, the, the games on Saturday for the URC. Coming back to yeah. URC, we're going to focus probably a little bit more on the super, on super Rugby. We've got all the domestic rugby coming back. so And also the Women's Six Nations starting um, from Saturday as well. So yeah. I'm sure when, when we can, we'll also look into that. So the rugby doesn't stop. No, it doesn't. We've got so much. And then we've got uh, Champions Cup um, coming up the week after, if I'm not mistaken. Plus there's sevens this weekend. Yes. I think it's Hong Kong. So yeah, there's a lot of, lo- lot of reason not to have any sleep this weekend. but. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think all the Irish fans are gonna not be allowed to watch rugby or talk about it for a little while while they recover and uh, get over it all. <laughs> <laughs> no, they will. I'm sure there's some headaches on Monday. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us for another awesome edition of the Rugby Bits podcast. Thank you for your support. Thank you for following us and liking us and subscribing to all of our. Our, our channels as well please yeah if you if you, you know where to find us on, on social media the rugby bits um, page on facebook and on twitter and you know where you can find us on any of your preferred podcast platforms on rugby bits like us subscribe to us and just make sure that you share this podcast with everyone and then yeah thank you so much from us and we will see you for the next episode probably next week bye cheers